welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I am your host, Justin Harvey, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMMShow75. And um, it's going to be a fun one today, guys. I think now that I've gotten some technical things wrong, I uh, if you were lucky enough to catch the last three minutes on Twitter, I actually tweeted the link to join in on the show instead of the link uh, to watch the show. Because Don't click that. Don't click okay. that. Let's have a talk. No, it's not. Because why would you want to have a talk and ruin things when we've got an awesome guest, which today is none other than the uh, the host with the most, the the announcer with more bouncer? Is that that doesn't work either, does it? That does I'm not work. I'm just going to step in and stop you, man. You're, you're drowning. You're burying the fans. I would love to see 95 to 100 of of your listeners in this in this hangout thing so hi it's me it's matt. how are you <laughs> it is it's matt striker it, well dude i'm I, you know i wouldn't want to take your job by by you coming out with a great intro and then you know stealing all the shine from you nice <laughs> do it you'll sit next to vamp go ahead <laughs> no <laughs> no he gets i don't know i've seen him i've seen him come back from commercial and like try to strangle you or try to bite you sometimes and that's kind of horrifying and plus yeah. we 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 kind of cheered for Pentagon really loud, and he might yeah. still be mad at us. Uh, you know, I don't know with, with Vamp. It's it's funny. Look, when you look at, like, wrestling and wrestlers, some guys you can tell are a character, and then there are some other guys where they are really who you see on TV, and he really walks that line, you know? Even when he's in the car on the way back to the hotel, it's like, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered that. Like, I've I've met Vamp several times, and I have no clue if he wants to murder me or to hang out and have a beer or what the deal is. I've never quite been able to figure well, it see, out. Justin, you were innocent from being part of the people with the Ultima Lucha One signs calling yes. for blood in the Pentagon match, like me and Byron were. And he recognizes us, and he remembers. We got, we got a little worked up, and we were really, really motivated for uh, a lot of destruction and carnage for one end of the of the. Of the matchup it worked both ways we got we got carnage both ways and uh but we were rooting for carnage to go specifically in one direction really and, and justin is in vampiro's good graces because he's the one who came to the temple with the original vampiro t-shirt and uh so he's got the love there yeah that's right, that sure is it is officially 20 years old from uh, Vamp's first WCW run. Uh, it's the one that he has the tattoo of. That shirt's friggin' old, man. Um, but so, Matt, I have to ask you, you know, now that you're dealing with us and dealing with these idiots and myself, and yes, I separated them there. Um, what's, what's it like dealing with the believers on a day-to-day -day basis? Is this the same as dealing with, with wrestling fans of other promotions and companies, or is it completely a unique scenario? It, it has developed into this thing where, look, Lucha Underground, it's, it's not a wrestling show. So I get a lot of feedback. Um, but, yeah, so I feel like now the, the believers are actors as well, maybe extras. Like, they're part of it. They're part of the cast. So that relationship is really a lot of fun. Because they're just as much a part of the show as uh, – as Vampiro is, or as, you know, I mean, Dante Fox could be, you know? So I think that's an interesting dynamic between now, I'd say colleagues instead of fans. Wow. You hear that guys? We made it up to colleagues. 
Oh, not you, not you, not you, not you. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, like the Bleacher people, like Mallory and like uh, Johnny and all those people. They know who they are. Oh, I try to I'm ah. getting everyone's name right now. And Vic and Lil John Stud. Yeah, Lil John Stud. Dude, no, I, I, yeah. People, J Man. Yeah. I got, I got to consider myself a colleague of yours because. Unlike those people you mentioned, I have a master's degree, and I am going for my teaching, oh. my teaching oh. life right now. Oh. So I know what it's like to be oh. like, the the one of the more intelligent men in the room, like Mr. Matt Stryker here. <laughs> humble week. too, huh? Yeah, very oh. humble. What uh, <laughs> concentration? Which subject are you going for? English because my my grad school was for screenwriting so it's the the best uh, translation sure. I suck at math so it's got to be English. Good, good for you, man. Good luck. Thank you. I need it. How over since you you opened the the, the teacher can of worms? Yeah, I, I'm curious to know, Matt. When you started doing the the, the teacher bit in WWE, did you? know how over that was going to get like how much heat you were going to get from that whole angle because it was insane i mean people wanted you dead when you were doing that thing <laughs> uh a tip of the cap has to go to, to vince mcmahon i remember it vividly uh standing on the um the ramp in raw like during the during the day he said i want you to really get your teacher character you're their teacher and smile smile oh, i'm gonna make me want to vomit and he had such venom in his voice that, <laughs> that I, I just went with it. You know, if I said that I knew that it would get the heat, it would, I'd be lying. No, I just went out and tried to execute the vision of, of my boss, I guess. And that's to his credit. He saw that. He saw what could be. Wow. I mean, people, people do talk about how, how Vince really is a genius behind a lot of the stuff that goes on. And you never know if it's coming from the writers or if it's from Vince or what he's really loving. But I mean, that that gimmick, I, it just got heat. But it also takes the right guy to inhabit the, the part, too, to to really push it on people the way it needs to get pushed. I mean, I think that you were definitely the right guy at the right time. And to me, I think it's awesome because that was at a period in time where everybody was there. I mean, you had mm -hmm. the top guys come in from ECW, WCW, the guys who had been Attitude Era guys. Like, you had to come in at that point in time and be like, shit, how am I going to get over with all these dudes here? Well, you know, it's funny. You have an astute wrestling eye because two things. One, that character did such a good job, Vince's idea of it, the writers, and, and in part my execution, that to this day, going on almost 10 years now, from WWE, people still believe that I'm that guy, and they hate me. They, oh, you think you're so smart? You think it's a character? I played a character on a television show. That's number one. Number two, about how am I going to get over whatever? It was Triple H that said, you, you know, you, hey man, you know, you're getting that heat, and you're taking these bumps or whatever. And him and Tommy Dreamer like put in my mind that I would have longevity if I would. Be a pain in the ass and then get my ass kicked. Keep enough heat to come back next time where you still want to see me get my ass kicked. And that was my recipe. Uh, it certainly was a recipe for 
success. I guess if you can call if you if you call people still hating you today for its success, which I guess. Yes. But that's wrestling. You know, that's the true art. Remember, listen, people hearken back to the glory days of the territories, brother, when the 70s and 80s, when people believed in all that other stuff. So there's few and far between things that are left where people still latch on to, you know, I mean, and back to Vampiro, you see him in the airport, you know, he's someone special. And if they said, oh, he's a pro wrestler, you would believe that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's no doubt. He's he's a something mean and tough and vicious and and slightly off kilter. That's for sure. Um, so, and you're 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 doing that gimmick and it's and it's going good. Was there was there a particular point that you saw a future doing the announcing thing, or did it still just kind of come out of nowhere for you? I mean, because you 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 were having a good run in the ring. I, I appreciate you saying that. That's nice of you. <laughs> um, I listen. One thing I'm learning as I go on in life is we never really know what we're doing when we're doing it. We think we do, but we don't. <laughs> but I've always been a faith guy. So when the announcement thing came to me, I I didn't see it as a, as a, a lateral move or a forward or a backward. I just knew I was doing that when I was seven years old, playing with my G.I. Joe figures. I used to call wrestling matches into a tape recorder. So when they asked me to announce, I just, I put my faith in whatever the universe was guiding me. And I went and did that. I didn't look at it like, ooh, I'm having a good run in the ring. This is going to derail that. Now, now you mentioned the action figures thing, playing with your G.I. Joes. And I just want to know, what was it like when you found out that you were going to be an action figure from Jack Specific? <laughs> um, I'm not a, as big of an action figure, quote unquote, Mark, as say a Zack Ryder or a Kurt Hawkins. Oh, but who is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I thought it was cool. If if they if if any wrestling company, Lucha Underground, would make a GI Joe size Kung Fu grip line of wrestlers, I think that would be a lot easier to play with than the way some of the figures of today are made, as far as wrestling figures go. Ooh, Kung Fu Grip. I, I, I can't model all that stuff. Man, I see the possibilities. I think there's one in Japan that does that, and they've only made the Hulkster so far. But you got to get them on the rest. I got to <laughs> tell you guys, I had the original Stalker that didn't have the, the uh, swivel arm battle grip. Like, he couldn't do this motion. It was the most aggravating action figure I ever owned because his arm only went up and down. And then I had all the other GI Joes that had this thing, so they could slap each other around. And it's yeah. so much more fun when you're doing fake wrestling matches with GI Joes to slap each other. I remember breaking Storm Shadow's leg with a figure four, and I'm like, these action figures are shooting. <laughs> no, did you did you ever yeah. like separate their torsos, and you saw that they were they were rubber band and a hook? Yeah, and yeah. that was also, yeah. you know, if that would get stretched out, I would always claim some type of internal injury for the guy, you know. Well, I would actually take the, I would take the screw in the back and undo them, and I would make mix and match GI Joes. Yeah, me too. And I actually it's sold glass screwdriver. Yeah, I actually sold the head of my barbecue um, to another friend for twelve dollars because it was such a highly coveted head to have on your mix and match GI Joes. That and Astro. Wow. Of course, uh, but it sucks because I go back to my collection now, and I don't have a single GI Joe that's like <laughs> all none of them have heads. Yeah, <laughs> Roadblock, none of them. They're all mix and match. You know, it's like black dude's head on a white guy's body, and you know, Ooh. 
Zartan and, and Zaymot and nice. bringing everyone together. I'm sorry. I, so you, you guys got me off on a tangent on the GI Joe thing because that's, that's oh, like that it doesn't shit. happen with He Man every week. Well, you're the He Man guy. Uh, I was GI uh, Joe was more my my shit. <laughs> Byron just went. Uh, uh, I every, want every week, it's like let's talk about He Man. Let's talk. I about think, I think All I right, let's let's, let's get it back on track. Let's talk more about Lucha <laughs> Underground. <laughs> Well, I, I do want to talk about the the biggest news in the Lucha Underground world because uh, it looks like the show is actually, with the correct date, coming to Netflix in under a week here. What what are your thoughts on that? And wh- how are you feeling about the, this new world of hopefully people that get to, to see what you've done? I'm, I'm so excited for a couple of people in particular. Krista Joseph, Chris Roach, uh, Evie Dub. Because I remember the phone call, I, you know, um, I just had a complete memory blank on another name that I wanted to say. Oh, Anthony, you know, all these guys. I remember the phone call on a Thursday night. Hey, do you want to fly out here? We have this idea for this thing. And now here it is, you know, getting picked up by, by Netflix. I'm, I'm happy for them first and foremost. And then I'm excited for what, you know, the possibilities could be. Um, do, do you feel like this thing hitting Netflix is really going to bring the extra eyeballs, especially back to the, the live versions of the show? I mean, that's kind of the question I know a lot of people have been having, and it's totally a loaded opinion-based question. But what are your thoughts? Like, is this going to really help us all out here? Okay, so when you say the live version of the thing, what do you mean? To more well, TV? I mean, I mean yeah. Well, people watching it the first two seasons on Netflix, do you think that's going to bring more eyeballs to the first run product, Luch Underground, on El Rey? That's when it I mean. comes back, May 31st. Yeah. Oh, oh, will it drive viewership to, to the remaining of season three and the potential of season four? Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I would imagine, I mean, that there's an obvious logic and likelihood to that, but I'm not sure what the goal is you know i think that there, it's a victory in and of itself to arrive onto the service everything that comes from there is only a benefit so you know i i agree it, it's weird because like i know a lot of fans that are are wrestling fans and you know are sci-fi fans and and people that the lucha underground product it's really for them that haven't seen the show yet. And I try to tell them all the time, no, get sling, it's worth it. And, you know, people want people want a big taste before they invest the money a lot of times. And they already have Netflix. So I'm really hoping that those are the people that really give it a shot because I think that they'll binge the whole thing, you know, especially if Iron Fist sucks like I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they'll binge the whole thing and stick around for more, hopefully, and come back and be calling me up like, hey, dude, you know, fill me in on these storylines or whatever and like really get involved in it. I'm hoping. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. all my animator friends are, are really excited about it happening. So if you guys need to staff a Lucha Underground cartoon, I think you're going to have enough people at once. Dude, I think that would be amazing. You know, and it's funny. I was having this conversation with someone earlier today. The, the capitalism of pro wrestling is through merchandising. But mm-hmm. the capitalism of a television show not isn't necessarily through merchandising. And I think that's the place where Lucha Underground falls. The capitalism of WWE is the merchandising and the brand marketing, right? I mean, that's ba- we understand that. 
So how do we make a ca- how do we capitalize and monetize Lucha Underground? It has to be through things like Netflix and advertising and and other avenues and venues that are not merchandise driven pro wrestling. That'll be there, the animated cartoon and the video game and the action figures. But I think that's a different revenue model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one we would definitely like to see because we're willing to throw our money at all kinds of stuff. I think I <laughs> all three of us yeah. here. Well, I mean, I, I've I've tried to explain this to a lot of people too because I I tend to agree. Working in television myself, like I see the difference in the Lucha Underground product with other stuff, and I know it's it's very tricky for base level fans to see it as a tv show first because you know vince has done a great job of programming all of us to think that a wrestling product should be a certain way and that's part of what you what you win when you're the the leader of of an industry or a field but at the same time i i think that as a tv show itself there is a certain way to drive revenue but i do think that some of those outside things like especially t-shirts and merchandising on a smaller level um, that that can help the revenue stream, but hopefully, yeah, there's a way to make some of those bigger deals happen too. I mean, it's tough, I think, for El Rey because of the level of saturation, and I'm also hoping that this builds enough interest to help increase the level of saturation for the whole network. And that's that's, that's to me the big goal. And does that happen? Is the real question. Well, you know something, I uh, watch the network independent of our show. It's a good network, and I'm not just saying that. It has a lot of shows that I would seek out and watch. So I think that whatever they're doing works. Their original programming, their original content, it works. So if this is a part of that, then it's win-win for everyone. Honestly, they had me at they had me at Lucha, but they would have had me at the Kung Fu movies too. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, come on! They have Master of the Flying Guillotine. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna not watch a channel that has that. That could be, sure. just be all the channel plays on loop all day, and I would still watch. Hey, you know I'm angry about the whole thing because they showed transfers one through five and not transfer six. I have a serious issue with this. Justin dies in transfer six, and it is the best. Uh, it's he did a Devon Dudley sell when he died is the best way to describe it. It's horrendous. Stop it. It's the worst <laughs> death scene ever. <laughs> it's really good. I think you should have Justin send you the YouTube link just so you could watch it. Um, it's quality yeah, we, cinema. We don't need to, we don't need to do that. Justin, right. can you, can you pantomime? Can you act out the scene right now for it's us? It's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, I'm uh, dying. I'm dying. It's really bad. It's really doing bad. it better now. It's like Citizen Kane almost. Wow. You guys are jerks. Wait, it's we're supposed to like, like be putting Striker on blast. Why are we putting me on blast? Let's let's talk about the three PW days. Let's talk about doing all the impressions back in three PW because that was where I very very first heard the name Matt Striker. Uh, again. It's all, listen, this whole journey is a throwback to 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old Matthew because that's all what that is and that's all what commentary is. So when I got the opportunity from Todd Gordon, Jasmine St. Clair, and Blue Meanie to just go run around in front of 500 people and pretend to be Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, and you know what? You'll wrestle Jimmy Snuka as you pretend to be Roddy Piper. Like, oh, my God. So all of that was just so much fun for me and i guess 
the fact that I was having fun was apparent to everyone that watched. <laughs> I mean, for people who haven't seen it, like, can you explain what all the different gimmicks were? Because you did a ton of them back then. So it originally, <laughs> originally, uh, it was my first time in ECW arena, I think, or my second, and I was wrestling Crowbar, who's uh, amazing. And Todd oh, Gordon yeah. was like, you know, what's your style? I've never, I haven't seen you wrestle. What, what do you do? I said, well, I, I, I'm kind of like, like Brad Armstrong, like Tommy Rich. But I was saying it like it was a cool thing. And he was looking at me like, dude, you're in the ECW arena. Like, that's not a cool thing. People are not going to want to clap their hands with you. And, and he's like, you know what? Why don't you go out there and play it up like you're oblivious? Let's see how that works. Well, let me tell you, man. It just took off from there. And then I just started to do signature things and call it out. Polish hammer, Polish power. And the people were like, what? Like, <laughs> dude, no, stop. And it just, it started to, to work in an antagonistic yet fun way. Then from there, it just, it morphed into, it's kind of like, uh, you, you you try pot in 10th grade and then by college you're doing acid. Cause like, I don't know, like a year into the gimmick, I was doing all kinds of, Rob Echoes, Robbie E, and I did three tag team characters in one night in a in a battle royal. It was just <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, I I mean I think specifically that was one of the ones I remember where I was just like, this gimmick is insane. This guy is off the rails. Like, how is he doing this? Crazy. It's, it's just it's passion, man. All the real crazy wrestlers in our industry, when you get to know them, they love this stuff. They love it from the first time they saw it to right now. Don't let them fool you. And, and that's what it was. That's what you picked up on. I mean, do you have to do you have to be a fan first to really be that kind of wrestler? I, I don't think so, because I have seen people that picked it up very late in life. So there's an athleticism and a performance art that goes to it. But to add the, the little things, the, the panache, if you will, that, that fans like you will pick up on. I don't think you can teach that. I think you have to have been watching since you're seven and have had no social life and be very socially awkward and just always watch wrestling. <laughs> um, that, that hurt a little bit. That hurt a little bit. I felt that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that, was, that was happiness, actually. <laughs> so, so Matt, Matt, who was who was your guy growing up? Who was the who was the seven year old Matthew cheering for? Great question, man. And uh, it was Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I got to know him and work with him and and it, again it goes back to faith there's nothing new under the sun it's no coincidence i didn't know when i was seven that i was going to get to know him and know his son and stuff like that but looking back on it now i'm wrestling every month at a company up in portland oregon the wcwc that's the old pacific northwest and if you know your wrestling history you'll know that old hot rod blazed a trail through that territory so I love all those like things. Like he was my favorite, and I got to know him on a personal level. And I mean, God, God rest his soul. And now here I am driving the same roads that oh, I rode. You know, like just things like that just keep me seven years old forever. Oh, that's awesome. That is oh, I just wish there was more footage from then. I really do. We we talk about that from time to time because you know, being from. California, all the LA territory footage is gone. We were talking about a lot of that when uh, Chavo Senior passed, and yeah. it seems like Pacific Northwest, everything that survived was because Buddy Rose had a VCR and taped everything. Wow, kind of cool that he was doing it. 
but man, I just wish there was more out there. Like there's a few things on YouTube. Like you can see Roddy Piper turn art bar into the juicer and stuff wow. like that. But uh, there's not enough out there, you know, I just, yeah. wish there was um, well, you were talking, talking about why the, all the footage was gone. That happened to a lot of shows back then, didn't it? Everyone just taped over stuff with the week before. I mean, that's how TV worked back then. No one knew the value in old TV. Because well, they treated it like it was the local polka show. They didn't treat it like it was going to be this yeah. classic vintage wrestling that would, you know, seep its way into the, the folklore and history of the entire sport, you know? That's why I think that, like, when we were kids, all of the, the really old school wrestling was, like, the same four matches. And I think I must have got... The Sheik wrestling Mark Lewin on like four different tapes as a kid. It was all the same match, you know? Uh. <laughs> oh, and like you were upset about that? No, I would <laughs> <laughs> No, Casey's, Casey's sadistic. He probably watched it all 800 times. Oh, dude, because he had the most awesome manager. The Sheik had Eddie the Brain Creechman with him, and that guy yeah. had the best, vo the best voice in wrestling. He sounded like Froggy from the Little Rascals. It was great. Wow, Eddie Creechman. Oh, my God. You know who you guys should have on your show you could talk all this stuff with? It's Tommy Dreamer, man. Him and yeah. I have driven for miles and miles playing the wrestling name game, talking old wrestling, sending each other pictures. Who's this? Name as many people in this old NWA Board of Governors pictures. Oh, man, that's great. Okay, you no, saw Kuchu these guys is, pop. Uh, the wrestling, name wrestling name game champion. He I'm the will Lucha Temple wrestling everyone. name. You broke up. What'd you say? I am the official oh. Lucha Underground line wrestling name game champion. Hang on, Ashbet. You see, now, 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 now you're getting into my wheelhouse here, okay? So, Tommy and I from uh, Hampton, Virginia, back all the way up to, to Queens and Yonkers, New York. I think that's, I don't know, do the, do the mileage. We played the wrestling name game from the minute we got in the car all the way till we got to Tommy's house. He had to shout a name at me and run into his house and lock his door because <laughs> I disputed the name. So you're making a bold claim. You're a line champion, which means you are working in a confined time. I'm telling you, one day, it's hot out there, though. I'm going to come. I'm going to stand in that line. It sucks because you guys all know it's me. I, I will take your challenge. I will take your title for the name game line champion down there. Okay, oh yeah, and, and if our friend Randy's there, that guy, he will pull the most obscure luchador out of his ass, and it will be right, and it will be legit. And you know how O is a very difficult letter? Not when you're using luchadors. It's, it's Wait, so now hang on. Are, are your rules just, just lucha libre? No, we no, use no. everything. Casey okay. uses all sorts of luchadors that will wrestle in parking lots and all sorts of swamp meets. It's a little... So, so now, what's your means? No, no, he doesn't do that. Casey comes solid with, with Japanese guys. He comes with the the lucha libre guys and the American. Well, guys. it depends on what your what your net is. Uh, Tommy and I used to play when we would ride with uh, with Edge and Christian. Actually, one person would be no phones are allowed out. One person would have their phone, and and you would have twenty to thirty seconds to verify a name. So a lot of times, guys just throw out, you know, Octagon Cito 9. You got to Google that. I mean, you know what I mean? You have to. Dude, I, I only know two Octagon Citos. So that's without Googling. Oh, there you go. Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> wow, we, we got we got off the rails. But that's that's great. And it just shows the love of wrestling, the history of Lucha Libre. You know, here's a... 
I guess a Lucha Underground anecdote. In the first season, one of the people that would be in my headset giving me, you know, certain things was Conan. And when I tell you, I don't think anyone knows Lucha Libre history more than him. I learned more from him talking to me in my headset about certain things, like the origin of the, the, the Unen Conrada, the, the, the maneuver, you know, the, the Unen Conrada. And, and, he was, and it amazes me because there's so much history and you can tell stories with these guys in the ring. And it's just amazing to me, the, the legend of Lucha Libre. It's really cool because, like, not only do you get actual, like, dudes in the ring, you get all these crazy, like, have you ever seen any of the Mexican Lucha comics that are like, they're like Reader's Digest size, and sometimes they're fighting monsters, sometimes it's just telling you what happened to a match. Like, uh, one of them was just about uh, Conan and Perro Sr.'s hair match, and it was a comic just showing you what happened. Wow. So it's like a courtroom recreation of a match or something almost. And it, it's so crazy. And then, you know, you get the Santo movies, which are just beautiful and insane. And you put all that together, you get you just get really cool history that uh, I'm glad that you're able to talk about it during the matches and give give people some stuff to like Google and appreciate, you know. Well, one of the first directives, you know, back to the beginning to that phone call was that with El Rey Network and with Robert Rodriguez, they wanted to capture what Lucha Libre meant to, to, the, to the young Latino and the young Latina, to, to the young Latin boys and girls. And talking about how they made a, a Conan match into a comic book or they made Santo movies, the legend of Lucha Libre is woven into the fabric of the culture of in this case mexico or just and now to me all around the world and i think it starts at a young age so to your point the fact that we can tell those stories a six-year-old kid is going to turn this show on on netflix next week for the first time ever and his life is going to change and at the same time a 60 year old guy is going to stumble upon this show next week on netflix and he's going to hearken back to his days of watching, you know, wrestling with, with his grandfather. And those two generations will unite because of this television show. How about that? That's awesome. And I've seen a little bit of that. Like my friend Zach, he's been on the show before. His dad actually used to go to the Olympic Auditorium and watch Chavo. Se he, he saw Chavo Sr. wrestle Roddy Piper in the cage. Wow. See, that's the whole cucaracha on the bagpipes bit. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is heat right there. And and they both watch Lucha Underground together and they can, you know, he can reminisce about stuff like that with them while they're watching. It's pretty cool. Um, okay, so I got to ask you this question, Matt. If you lost the voice tomorrow forever and EV Dub and DJ are just standing there like, dude, that sucks for you, but you're out. You can't do the announcing anymore. Who's your pick? to replace you. And keep in mind, this has to be somebody that can actually sit next to Vamp and get it done with Vamp. So who who would be the guy that you would pick to replace you if you just couldn't do it anymore? As a person who in part makes his living with his voice, I find this to be the worst question I've ever been <laughs> asked. And at the same time, it gives me a great opportunity to endorse whomever. Um, uh, I, I've, I've often th thought of different people and and i used to read a lot of comics when i was a kid and marvel used to do a what if oh, and it was like what if like you know listen i wasn't the first choice for this announcing position they 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 had josh matthews at first they they were asking him and and you know for whatever reason josh what? matthews 
So, you know, you never know, like, what would the show be like here? Because, again, I, I, to me, you know, I learned a lot from guys like Josh and Michael Cole. I think they're some of the best storytellers in the Vince McMahon school of pro wrestling. But how would Lucha Underground be if, if that were the case? Or So, uh, I often think a guy like Colt Cabana would be fantastic, but I just, I, I don't, I only know Colt as a funny, entertaining, jovial guy. And there is a story aspect uh, Mike Tenay, who, you know, could show up at any point, anywhere. I'm all now, all of a sudden, I'm naming you all my successors. Why <laughs> did I do this? <laughs> it's all right. We, we, EB Dub stopped listening to this show minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. And I would hope it would be someone that would be able to just execute the vision that the producers want. You know, I'm not selfish when it comes to it. Again, I like the show and I like that I was a part of something. And still am, God willing. <laughs> but um, if there was ever a time that someone would make it better or carry it to a different way, uh, great, great. I have a lot of friends. I want to see people succeed. Well, now, so Matt, that leads to my question. Go for it. I, I, okay, say that you didn't want to announce or that they had a great idea for you. We want, we want to see Matt Stryker get fed up and take it to the ring and kick someone's ass. Who, who would be that person that you would want to feud with to have that Vampiro Pentagon-like story? I mean, we're not saying you got to pour candle wax on someone when they're tied up or anything, which we make fun of a lot on the show. But, uh, you know, just have that in-ring action with someone on the roster. Who would you want it to be? It's a good question, um, but it immediately will fall against the backdrop of Vampiro doing it and mm – -hmm. It, it, that that match lent itself to his style and and it was believable i don't know if the character of matt striker on lucha underground if it's believable that he gets fed up enough to where he gets into the ring and if he did what was matt's style or what did matt think was his style and i always thought like to say i was more of like a like a nick bockwinkle kurt angle kind of dare i say a william regal Dean malenko ish i'm not pouring wax on anyone so <laughs> You know, in a perfect world, there's a lot of guys I would love. I would like to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. in a Lucha Underground ring. Yes. I, I would just, maybe that would be where I would hang my boots up after that. <laughs> Things like that I, I would really enjoy to do. There's a guy named Liam Slater out of England. Uh, guys on the roster, honestly, I don't know if I could keep up with a lot of them. I mean, hold for hold, keep it on the ground. I believe in myself. But when it comes to that style, up in the air, above the top rope, Watch all my stuff. Tell me the last time you saw me jump off the top rope. It was against Renee Dupree on Heat. All right? So there's that. Uh, yeah. I don't I, – it's not that I wouldn't see you against these guys. It's that you definitely would have to modify the style. But I always – I'm a firm believer in the fact that different styles of wrestlers can get it done in the ring. They just have to work out the right shorthand for, you know, what direction they're going to head to. I mean, I'm going to throw a name out there and I'm going to put someone over in an unsung way. Yeah. I'm going to say Matt Stryker and Drago would be awesome because Drago is an underrated Matt wrestler and I think it would work great. I think it would mesh well. That's just my opinion from watching. Now that's that's not a bad uh, assessment there and I've often thought of that because of the, it would be a nice matchup. I know I prefer certain styles and sizes on guys and he does fit into that. It allows me to do a lot more and vice versa. So good for you. Look at Casey trying to trying to book some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> they can have that one for free. DJ, Roach, 
Go ahead. Can have them all for free. So speaking of, of DJ and Roach, Matt, when you're doing the commentary, who's who's in the headset? Like, are they they talking at you? I mean, obviously, they're probably trying to feed you some story stuff and whatnot. Is it is it Roach in there? Is it DJ? How's how's it work in your headset? So um, it in the beginning, it really it w- didn't have a way to go. And then, yeah, like I said, Conan was in for a little bit and really I learned so much from him. And then after I think like season two and a half, maybe season three, um, the writers, they would just sit with us and we would just talk. Roach is, is the guy him and I will sit and spend sometimes five, sometimes 20 minutes just talking about the show as fans and writing down just little things that, People sit on the couch and talk about it. Same way they talk about Breaking Bad. And what'd you think about last week's episode? And wouldn't it be cool if this? And hey, remember that happens uh, seven episodes ago? So a lot of it, a lot of it is Chris Roach. And he knows the show inside and out. I think he's Lucha Underground's biggest fan. And it's his birthday yesterday or two days ago. He's probably still drunk. But I think he might have just had a baby. So God bless you, buddy. Yeah, happy birthday, Roach. I, I, I definitely uh, made sure to send him a little happy birthday message. Yes, but, I sent yeah. a He-Man he- one because that we did a half hour on He-Man. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. That's I believe you. <laughs> when we talked to Roach on the show, too, I don't know that I knew that he was as involved with you as he was, but he did mention it also. Um and that, that was one of his. <laughs> he he said it in a much different way. He was like, "Yeah, and I got to sit there and tell Striker everything. I hate it. He's so annoying." <laughs> but I think that I think it's cool too because I think a lot of people don't know necessarily who does what in Lucha Underground in a lot of ways because it is such a different product and it's run so differently than a lot of the other wrestling companies. The hierarchy is not the same. There's a lot of you know, different companies and factions and people involved. There's a lot of different jefes and, and the process mm-hmm. has been kind of created to, to make this creative force of a TV show as opposed to a wrestling promotion. So I think it's kind of this, it's a cool spin for all of us wrestling fans because it is new and exciting, even in just how you guys make the show, because it's different than all the other products out there in that way. Again, a testament to, the vision of those that create the show from the aesthetics to, to, to the, the writing that that's what we're all getting so crazy about the wrestling's great. Great. It is, it is, it is. I get it. It's really great wrestling, but what would it be like if it was just standalone without the fact that Aerostar is from the past or the future without the fact that Cobra Mo- that's the stuff that makes it cool. Yeah, I mean, and it's been proven time and again in Lucha Underground that all of these characters are going to get over because they all have some cool storyline and some cool purpose there. I mean, some of the guys that, you know, for for lack of a better term, we may have thought were jobbers in the first season, they all went somewhere for the most part. And I don't think that us as regular wrestling fans, we're expecting that. No one is expecting the guy that they're like, ah, sorry about your luck. You know, sorry about your day, buddy, to easily just be transformed into something that matters to the entire program to the point where you feel like they would be, you know, indispensable as part of the product. That is what surprised me the most about Lucha Underground. And that element is actually a very wrestling-based element because if you go back... You knew SD Jones was not going to beat 
whomever for the intercontinental title, but damn it if you didn't root for him. Because there was a shot that maybe he could possibly, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, kind of come on. Oh, that's good booking. That goes from, we were talking about like the writers, whatever. That goes to whomever's agenting these particular people. And, and that, that's Vampiro. That's Chavo. That's Paul London. You know, that's really where that type of stuff works. Because a quote-unquote jobber gets over. Yeah, I mean, and, and and it's amazing too that 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 happens because there's a lot of promotions out there that wish that they they could do that and don't seem to be able to to make it happen for some reason. It's like you you need guys to be on the other end of a story, but they have to have a story too. Or being on the other end of a story doesn't make any sense. They're just a guy, and they might as well not be part of the company from day to day. Plus, all of us wrestling name game experts like Stryker and myself are very appreciative of all of the. WCW Saturday Night Jobbers because they give us so many names to throw out there. I try to work Nasty Ned into every game. Listen to me. Nasty Ned Brady is one of the best. But wait, you know, it's interesting, though, because without television, I don't care what anyone says. And God bless a lot of these indie promotions. When I hear guys go, yeah, well, the people remember three months ago I hit my manager with a kick. No, they don't. Because not the same people are not here. You cannot. I look at Tommy Dreamer has has a company called House of Hardcore, and uh, he's done twenty some odd shows. I, I've been a part of or have watched every single one. I know the storylines, and I know why this guy's wrestling that guy. And the thing that Tommy does that's great is he'll tell you why in the advertisement for the match uh, for the last time ever, this guy versus that guy, or uh, Tommy Dreamer and Bubba Ray Dudley versus Matt and Broken Matt and Jeff Hardy in a cage and Philly. Without TV, though, all that's lost. And it's a shame because that should be on TV. So to your point, and I know I'm going on and on here, but that's what's important. It's being, It's continuity. It's constantly watching and knowing everyone's story. Yeah, and I mean, and it helps too. If you've if you've done it right, people should be able to latch on quickly, you know, so yes. that that they can get the surface level of it, and then hopefully the depth of it keeps them coming back for the storyline or the character. And that's that is tricky to do. I mean, that's just that's writing. That's writing and performing the right way. Yeah, it's the synergy from creative to the 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 stunts. Dare I say, if I'm going to talk television or Hollywood terms. Um, okay, so Matt, you got to tell us what is the craziest thing you or Vamp has said that has not made air. <laughs> you know the first. Something. Listen, I want you to know three things just popped into my head in succession, and all of them were followed by nope, can't say that. Nope, can't say that. Nope, can't say that. Like seriously, we I, we never said it to each other, but both of us had to make a concerted effort to realize that our mics are on all the time. Him and I have a very peculiar sense of humor, and we say some stuff. I mean, I'm from New York. I have no couth. I'll admit it. I'm classless. I'm politically incorrect. And Vamp is just, I mean, the guy, he's died twice. And that's not like a myth. Like he's been, he's just freaking out there. So I can't tell you some of the things that we've said. I mean, are we talking like Katie Vick bad or like, like, like see, see, like, you're, you, I want to pinch your cheeks. She's so adorable. Like nice little pro wrestling. Uh -huh. And I'm talking about things that you will like turn to someone and say, let's leave. <laughs> like it's it's creepy, it's inappropriate, but it's just ha 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 ha. But everyone else is going, yeah, no. It sounds like uh, 
our DM or when we're talking before we go on the air on this show. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that, that's all Byron's fault, but because me and Justin are just innocent. If you want to see a cool real estate video, let me know. I can send it over. You, you do not want to see this video. No. Never click on a link Byron sends you. Like, I, I probably should have said that, but see, we wanted you to come on the show. You yeah, have and Byron always likes to send people stuff like when they're at work. That's funny. I think that's funny. I'm high-fiving the phone. That's funny to do. I like to share. Him changing all him changing all the work computers to their homepage is lemonparty.org. And no one go to that site. Um spin. Meet spin is a close second. You're wrong. <laughs> You're just wrong. On so many levels. I probably just outed him as being the guy on the show that did that to everyone too. So hopefully they're not all this. They probably knew it was him. Wait, are you like a hacker? Are you like zero hour? Is that what you are? No, that's Urban. Urban Heretic's the real hacker, man. Yeah, Urban's the hacker. I'm he's just hacked him in his podcast to... before. He's, he's hacked. Like, you should see the computer he just built. I'm pretty sure he can run all of what's left of NASA and JPL. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now, and it's nothing new, but <laughs> we're all going to bow to the feet of those that know how to code and all that other stuff. And, and they, are, they are not to be messed with. <laughs> There's that whole group out there, man. Yeah, that's why I keep that's why I keep Urban Heretic on my good side. He's uh he's a he's a secret mastermind that's gonna run the world from uh from a barn in Tennessee pretty soon. Nice. If he keeps getting computer parts, that that'll be that'll definitely be a thing. You know, um, I, I can barely podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so com commentary wise, Matt, what's your favorite type of match in Lucha Underground to do? Do you like the specialty matches, the unique opportunities, or do you like trios matches? Like, is there something that's more fun than anything else, or is it all just the same amount of, of fun to do? Um, I have found, and I'm, I'm still growing into this character. You know, I, I had my my WWE announcer, whatever, you know, characters or whatever, but this is, this is different. I'm liking when I can literally call the play-by-play -play action. Tackle, drop down, leapfrog, now getting the hand, taking the arm here, trying to get position here. I love when just Vamp and I can talk about fighting styles because he's a Krav Maga guy and I'm the worst jujitsu person in the world. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been wrestling since I'm 18. I mean, I, I damn to pick up a thing or two. So I like that stuff and it applies because at the end of the day, some guys in the gym wear like a little scully and maybe a UFC t-shirt or whatever. At the end of the day, if you can relate the fight to the guy at home and the girl at home and the kid at home with some validity, th those are the ones I like. The stuff that I just have to ooh and ah at, that's fun too. But when I can call hold for hold, I'm enjoying that lately. And I want to thank you for my favorite call, which is um, when you called our friend Victor, the guy from Counting Crows. Sure. Of course, I know Victor. He's great. <laughs> we use that all the time, so I just want to thank you for that. Oh, he is. He is one hundred percent Counting Crows guy now. <laughs> That's awesome. That I, I was like right when I was first starting to get to know everybody. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> so, that, so let me fun. ask you this about about doing commentary though. Like I've heard Jr. say that he likes rest holds. He likes when guys slow down a little bit because it gives him a chance to tell their story. Because otherwise they're just some guys on TV rolling around with each other. And if he doesn't have time to tell their story, there's no point to it. So, I mean, do you, 
always want it to be action? Can you find the way to tell their story without it? Or do you need some rest holds? Do you need some some slower pace at some point in time to really convey what's going on overall and not just with the moveset? Again, another another great question. You 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 have one that I will forever remember you for, but honestly, you got like five <laughs> or six that are really like on point. Good for you. But um, see now that about Jr. about you know gra- grab a hold, and we don't call them rest holds. Grab a hold. Try to wear down your opponent. Um, <laughs> I know I can't beat him yet, so I'm going to wear him down. Uh, to tell the story is usually the the uh, a shared responsibility between the color and the play by play guy. Uh, to just not want to see two guys rolling around anymore. That's a pro wrestling mentality, not negative, just pro wrestling, because the hottest thing right now is guys rolling around with each other in a cage or girls rolling as UFC and stuff like that. And they're finding it futile to try to tell stories about these people. If you've noticed, UFC, it's, they don't keep stars. It's, it's Connor and then it's Ronda and then it's this guy. Maybe GSP will come back. And now it's the brand. You go, oh, you go into the GSP fight? No, you go into UFC. So I think there's a new viewer that is okay with, I don't need to know that six months ago, this guy broke into this guy's house and then he clotheslined his partner and now they hate each other. That's the wrestling of the past. And I don't think Lucha Underground has that much in it. It has some old school, don't get me wrong. I'll throw out a Don Morocco the first chance I get. But as far as look at how to call it and who's watching it, there's a balance there that that I try to go for. So there you go. Nice. Now, now, do you do you ever watch the final product and kind Cringe of all the time? <laughs> yeah, because they cut out some of your stuff, like the rest holds we're talking about. Like we might see one or two live, and then we don't see them on TV. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, do you ever... Well, that, is, that is a difference with Lucha Underground because they do have the benefit of of editing, which mm-hmm. I, I personally, as a TV guy myself, you know, think of it as a benefit. Um, but at the same time, if you're doing something during that time that they've, they've shrunk down to, to keep the speed and the pacing up for the show, you might be losing some cool stuff. Are you Are you missing anything that you may have done when a match gets kind of sped up for television? Dare I blaspheme, but shows like All in the Family and Seinfeld, they didn't air live. They were recorded in front of a live studio audience. So um, at the end of the day, whatever is best for the vehicle of the story and the product, I'm going to be fine with. I do have a luxury of receiving the uh, the line cuts and the edits, and I do sit in with our amazing editing staff that, I mean, again, back to this being a TV show, forget the Milm Wertases and the Katrinas and the Vampiros and the Mad Strikers, you guys should be having on the, the camera guys, the sound guys, the makeup, the art department. That art department is in a tiny little room. And if you saw, do they come up with that Gift of the Gods title? That thing's beautiful. Do you know those medallions are like magnetic? They like pop in. I, I got yelled at uh, by one of the directors. I was playing with the medallion. He was trying to like, it's a shot. And I was like, I'm a child. So, um... No, and I get the edits, and if there's something I really want to keep, I'll ask them to find a place for it. If not, I'll write it down. I'll get it in again somewhere. And there's something that I really want to get out of there, hopefully they can get it out of there, but some stuff sneaks through. Well, we, we have put over the jib guy a bunch. We love the jib yes. guy because jib he's guy. awesome, and he looks like he's having the best time, and he's not a young dude. I mean, he's he's up there working, though, and he is a master of it. And we put over Yoni from the, uh, the hey, social Yoni. media department, who I love hear is him. now gone. 
Oh, he, you know, it's funny. I, I thought he Yoni. I, I love baseball. The World Baseball Classic. Team Israel's like 3-0. and Jason Marquis, like, through. Like, he hasn't pitched since I was a kid. And I thought he Yoni. And look at that. Now you tell me Yoni is no more. No, oh, E.B. Dub, Dub said that there's a there's a new social media uh, person or people to replace Yoni because he was amazing. So that's um, why there's no GIFs because people were asking where the animated GIFs were on Twitter. And it's because Yoni's no longer with the company which is just shalom to yoni we liked yoni yeah and he didn't leave for anything bad if anyone's just hearing about this it, it was just uh he had some other great opportunities that he had to take and i there's no 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 love loss for yoni everybody still loves the guy um and i i we I, dude i mean he's honestly that social media guy is one of the reasons why i got so into lucha underground i mean he would get me hyped every week. He was always retweeting the right people, always posting funny stuff. I mean, he was like the third commentator for the show. You know, nice. he would get his own jokes in on the gifts and or play off of a joke that you or Vamp had. And, you, you know, he took it very tongue-in-cheek, but it, but also put over the big action. So, you know, and, and that was that's kind of one of the secrets of the whole thing that, I, that makes the product unique to me is the fact that the whole company has these little areas where the people are like that, doing that with the product yeah it's not just the cia that had their moles we have ours too <laughs> and in other news matt streger has disappeared from the face of the earth <laughs> um okay so one of the stranger moments is uh vamp's gonna go and wrestle so he's not gonna be at the desk with you and <laughs> in comes chavello yeah which and i'm a huge Huge fan. The big kibosh. Um, <laughs> but it also was strange because he's kind of a lead announcer. You're kind of a lead announcer. And how? And it almost felt like you, you almost went a little bit back to your WWE heel announcer kind of vibe a little bit. Like, how strange was that to have Chevello coming in and not have Vamp there while Vamp's in the ring? So this, I don't know if I'll be able to express this for someone who expresses things for a living well enough, but... When you work with someone, whether it be, uh, or you compete against someone, or to a lesser extent, when you get in a fight with someone, sitting next to Vampiro has its own energy. He brings his own energy. Being in the ring with certain guys has his own energy. Being on, on the rink, playing like playing with a group of guys, we didn't play tonight, but every Thursday, there's a certain energy there. Mike brings a big energy. He has big fight energy, and I felt it radiating off of him, and I... Always try to find a way. Bruce Lee said, be like water. I like to make my energy malleable so that it, it in some way can complement and mesh and almost yin and yang with the energy of whomever I'm working with or against, you know, in competition in hockey or in wrestling or whatever. And Mike's energy was so big that I found that I almost was like, got to find a place here, got to find a place here. I could have easily tried to have a bigger energy, but I felt that his energy did the matches a, a, a service. And again, it goes back to stepping back and saying, this is best for the product, not this is my ego. So I don't know if I resorted back to a WWE heel persona. I just went to a place that I thought would complement the big energy that the big kibosh was bringing to the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was heel necessarily so much as more of a devil's advocate kind of thing of, okay, he's got that part and he's killing it. So I'm going to, I'm going to fill this gap over here, you know, and I'm going to, make sure I'm presenting the rest of the story that he's not presenting um, less than not so much heel, but obviously that's part of the story that he wasn't necessarily 
presenting. He was hitting more of the main storyline points and you were hitting the accentuations of what all the character interplay was and why it was, you know, the animosity was there between some of the characters, which I thought was cool because we haven't heard you do a lot of that necessarily because Vamp does most of that normally. Um, it was just, I thought it was a very unique and cool moment in the Lucha Underground history that I don't know will ever get repeated again unless Vamp decides to really step back in there. But um, I would think at this point, if Vamp stepped back in the ring, would not Famous B be the one to sit next to you? I've seen him uh, working on his mic skills a little bit over there on the commentary. Hmm. Yeah, B, B's a good egg. I got to tell you, you know, you, you start to, um, you know, you work with people. And just like, I guess you guys all have jobs you go to, if I hope some people you like and some people you don't. Oh, I hate Carol. She's such a pain in the ass. Always talking about her cats. Go home, Carol. <laughs> you know. And then there's some people you love. Oh, Reggie down in shipping. He's awesome. His office always smells like the art teacher's office in high school. Uh, <laughs> B, B and I get along. So if B is the guy sitting next to me, that you'll see a fun dynamic there. He 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 likes to. I mean, when I was a kid, we called it the dozens. So I guess it's a disc game. And he likes to throw disses at me. And I, I just have no comeback. So I'm like, okay, I'll take that. That's okay. You know? Yeah, B is, B, B is highly entertaining in that fashion. And I, I mean, and he's a guy very similar to you in the fact that I think he has seen um, not even necessarily alternate opportunities, but he just sees everything as an opportunity and he's willing to step into it and doesn't see it as a detriment to anything else he's done or doing. I, I think that goes, that's how you should, that's how you approach life. That's how you approach anything in your life and whatever it is that brings you a peace and a calm in your heart and how you approach things in a positive way, then, then that's how people are going to receive you. You know, I think that that goes deeper than, than just the famous B character. I think it speaks to the person, the man, I won't tell you his real name, but the guy that is famous B. Okay, so here's the tough question, Matt. The phone call comes. You have all your plans set for spring to come back to Lucha, do some more great stuff. You know, dude, seriously, you are you are the warrior, the harbinger of doom. He's <laughs> like, I don't get it. Matt, you're home, you're laying in bed with your beautiful girlfriend, you're about to ask her to marry you, and then her phone goes off and it's the guy she's cheating with. What do you do? Well, and that's exactly the question. It's like the phone that's call not exactly comes. the question. No, it, it's, it's kind of like that. It's like the phone call comes and it's like, hey, Matt, by the way, that stuff that you thought you were going to do this spring, we're not going to do till fall now at best. Like, okay. what, what were you doing then? Were you like, holy crap, this sucks? Or were you like, that's good because I know we need to get some things together? No, no, no. Again, while, while I don't really love your approach, your questions do have some some weight to them. So I got that call. That, that was my my sweet, adorable, kindred spirit of a soulmate, Liz Pena, who called me and, and said, listen, you know, change in plans, card subject to change, has to be done in a Howard Finkel voice. Uh, and, and this is what's happening now. Again, I am not a person that believes that, that I'm owed anything, especially in wrestling. And, and if you count your eggs before they hatch, you're going to be sorry, especially in this business. So I was taught by great pros, you know, I was taught by Johnny Roz, and I was taught by Bill DeMott, and I was taught by, by Bubba and Tommy and Edge and William Regal and all these guys, Arn Anderson. This, the, the business doesn't owe you anything. So I wasn't panicked. I wasn't surprised. I just saw opportunity. Okay, what do I do with th this opportunity now? And I'm also still entrenched. I'm doing voiceovers you know, 
two, three times a week. Um, it's not like it's an uncertainty. So I just, that's how I live my life, man. I roll, I roll. Um, well, so I looked at it as a good thing to a certain extent, given I'm not trying to make my money off of the show being there and working dates. Um, but, you know, having talked to, to EV Dub, especially in the past, it was just kind of like, damn, this could actually be a really good thing because I think this is going to allow them to come back exactly the way they always wanted to to be doing stuff in the first place and give them the amount of time that they need to get a, a few things ironed out. Um, but, I mean, do you, do you see that the product, starting as a TV show, should progress into more of the wrestling world? Like, do you feel like touring would help talent be happy and and you know give more dates and stuff like that do you do you want to see the the product and not just the show branch out that way or do you think that it should just stay like along the tv show lines uh i i learned a long time ago to to never question the motives of people smarter than me <laughs> so it, the fact that you know this does work out right that that God willing, we come back when we come back the right way. They know what they're doing. And if they, the proverbial they, feel that live touring and more of a wrestling-centric direction would be a revenue stream or the main revenue stream, if, if they feel that is what's conducive to success, go right ahead. As a wrestler, um, that's great. That's what you got. That's what the boys and girls want. They want dates. They want to work. They want to perform. That's, that's what they, we do. But there's a whole other side to this show that people tend to let slip through their fingers. It still is a production, a television show, a camera crew, trucks, a makeup crew, a sound crew, a catering crew, a props department. Dude, it's not cheap. So Breaking Bad doesn't go on tour. Sesame Street on Ice goes on tour. So there you go. I agree. And I, I love that you threw Breaking Bad out there because that's kind of what I'm hoping for with the Netflix thing. Like, I don't think Breaking Bad would have been even remotely what it is looked at today if it hadn't hit Netflix. Netflix, I mean, if you look at those season one and two numbers of the first airing of Breaking Bad, they were moderate at best. And then you look at what happened after it hit Netflix and everyone was able to binge it that summer before the new season came around holy crap the numbers like tripled overnight and then got even better the following seasons after that and i mean i don't know that lucha underground necessarily has the same kind of flow story wise um actually i think it does starting at the second half of the first season i think it does kind of have that if people get there well you're we're also talking about something that's on the board of every television executive in la and new york i mean it's about distribution it's about market saturation so of course having this new avenue of distribution can only help it can only help and as far as stories and stuff go if you watch it from one i, I think you're hooked i think you're, you're you're on it all the way through i think so i mean i was i tuned into the show purely because i had heard that some reality tv guys that i was fans of were teaming up with Robert Rodriguez's network, and it was like, what, Mark Burnett and Robert Rodriguez are doing a wrestling show? What the hell has happened? Like, the universe has turned upside down. It didn't make any sense to me. So I was like, I'm going to watch this. And then I found out that Byron over there was watching it, too. And he was like, dude, I'm going to tapings. I was like, well, I'm coming to tapings, too, then, because this is insanity. These things, these worlds should not be meshing. And then when you see the product, you're like, holy shit, not only are these worlds meshing, but they're creating something completely unique. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not 
the hugest shill in the world as much as I'm shilling right now because I, I will tell you guys too when there is stuff that I think is amiss or stuff that I don't like, you know, but there was something about it from the very beginning that was like, this shouldn't exist. And it does in this rarefied space. And it's pretty amazing. So I'm, I am just really excited for the next coming week because I really am hoping that a lot of people latch onto this thing in a big way that haven't had a chance to do it. I, I think you have to give everything. People go to rehab, they go to rehab for 90 days. People have restraining orders, you have restraining order for 90 days. Don't ask me how I know these two things. So I think we got to give it about three months and then and then we can get a better uh, gauge of the pulse of, of how the show is being received. Well, that's going to be right around when the show's back too, isn't it? May May 31st or somewhere, May? May yeah, 31st. There you go. Yeah, it's back in May. So I guess 90 days from March, April, May, June-ish. Sure, right, yeah. People don't necessarily see the synergy in the the marketing behind this whole thing. It's like you said it right before where it's like there's smart people that are working on this stuff, guys. People, <laughs> The Hefe's are not trying to lose money on this whole deal. You know, they're sitting there going, okay, let's let's take Luch off the underground, off the air right now so that we can pair it up with some other shows that we're trying to pilot out onto El Rey Network. And then we got this Netflix deal that's happening. Let's let that run its course and have its time to breathe so that it's, you know, people are picking up on that right as the show goes back into, you know, the new ep episodes airing on the network. Like, it all makes sense when you look at it from a, a grand scheme. And there's a lot of this Lucha Sky is Falling stuff out there that I hear every day and my dm is full of it every day like oh well, do you think lucha's going to collapse because of this or this talent is doing this here and i'm like guys i you I understand not. that that is the wrestling community that says that because the wrestling community is so used to things failing and it, it wasn't wcw it, it was world-class championship wrestling and it was uwf and global and then things started failing so the wrestling community has a tendency to say like the sky is falling or the bottom is falling out. Da, da, da. The television community says we just have a deal with the, the largest streaming service in the world and we're going to piggyback it with new. So whomever you choose to listen to is up to you. I'm going to listen to the TV people though. <laughs> well, I, I, and I guess in that regards, I consider myself lucky to be a TV person being a reality producer. And I'm like, I'm happy about the whole thing. And everyone else is like, this is terrible. It's all falling apart. And I'm, you know, even Casey is one of them, by the way. Don't think we don't have our own resident naysayer right here in our midst. <laughs> I'm sorry that I worry about Pentagon's future, Justin. Jeez. We all worry so, about his future, but I know so, it's a good TV show no matter what. To, to that point, anyone's future. Let, let's look at, we, we, we've now drawn a nice bisection, I guess, of wrestling and television. And we borrowed from both. We, we had the uh, how SD Jones, you rooted for him, and now some of the quote-unquote jobbers are over and da-da-da. Whomever comes and goes, the good show, the brand, will always survive. And we talked about UFC has trouble making and keeping stars. Lucha Underground will make stars, and if those stars get injured or go somewhere else or whatever the case may be, They'll make new stars. Sometimes in wrestling, that's hard. We saw a period of time in, in WWEF's history where they had a tough time making new stars. They're, they're back on track, but they had a tough time. And television shows, sometimes you can't replace a 
character. Sometimes that's hard. But I just think the two things together will work. They will continue to make new stars. Marty Elias can be a star if we make him be a star. Melissa is on The Apprentice. She's a star. Things like that. Now, now, Matt, I, I like this talk about creating new stars um, because it makes me want to know who you think. Somebody that we may not have gotten like more than a little taste of so far in the season. Oh, just spit it out. Is Dante Fox the shit or what? Yeah, yeah, that's basically what I was asking. Matt. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to make sure that the fans that haven't seen certain episodes yet or whatever that I don't give away too much but the the performer that you're referring to is otherworldly and i do believe that this character the character arc the story as well as the athleticism there's a potential there for for this performer to be a a star uh in the same way guy the the, the guy that that performed under the hood for prince puma was a star before and is even now more of a star and will be an amazing star it, it, it there's room for a lot of growth for a lot of people on our roster and, and yes fox is one of them yeah, yeah i mean look even the stuff that's already uh, even the stuff that's already aired like i have people hitting me up every day like dude who is this guy? And I'm like, go back and watch ZZW. Go back and watch his other stuff. Like, and you'll know, and just know that I can't tell you what's coming, but I can tell you that it's worth watching. <laughs> there, there is one match coming up. Okay, this isn't spoiling anything. There's one match coming up that after it happened, I turned to Eric Van Wagner and I saw him on the way out of the arena and I said, you know what, Eric? I've been a wrestling fan for 30 years and that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had to know that was the day that we showed up and Eric Van Wagen ran over to us and was like, you guys aren't going to believe what's going to happen today. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he was giddy and excited and ready to tell all the fans like he had trouble not spoiling it the day that it was taped. That's when you know <laughs> something's good. Yeah. Well, what does that and tell now, you? That like you got to keep it quiet for like months now. It's like, oh, come on, come on. But if if one of the top people involved with the show is beside himself with gid, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that shows the passion that he has for it. Most people just go to work. Oh man, got to produce another episode of Wheel of Fortune. All right, Pat, and three, two, one, Vanna, turn the wheel. Like, no, he goes to work with passion, the same passion that he approaches The Apprentice with, the same passion that Roach approaches Big Brother with. That says a lot. It, it starts at the top. Uh, yeah, and, and dude, like, uh, he's one of my most fun people to see, him and DJ, too, because uh, DJ's a little bit different. Like, Eric will run out of the temple like, ah, this is going to be the best. DJ comes out like, <laughs> <laughs> he just has like this evil maniacal look and he won't tell you anything he'll just look yeah. at you and be like yeah come on in have a seat buddy got something for you um yeah dj is uh is certainly a a throwback to the to the old school booking ways and and i like that and i've never seen eric run out with his hands in the air the way you did that but i think i have seen dj do the mr burns eggs. <laughs> Yeah, Eric Eric has, has a little more sly and a little more couth than that, I think. But yeah. but we have seen him definitely uh, giddy about a couple of things that he knew were coming before we knew they were coming. 
Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys who walks around before the shows and likes to gauge the pulse of, of many people, you know, sure. and just kind of ask them, like, hey, you know, what are you interested in seeing? Who are you hoping? Like, he'll ask us, like, who are you hoping is here today? Mm-hmm. And then we'll say something, and sometimes he'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't, we didn't book that guy. <laughs> and other times he'll be like, oh, if that's what you were hoping for, you know, like when the, the Lotus Triad uh, came in, we all knew that they were in town from stardom or whatever, and, you know, he was like, yeah, yeah, so you know who's here today? And we were like, yeah, we heard that some girls from stardom here today, and he was like, yeah, it's going to be going to be pretty good stuff. Wait till you see what happens. Wait till you see what we do with them. And but we didn't have we that, that, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. But that, that goes back to an earlier question about how the believers are part of the show now and how you guys are now part are actors in the show. So he's gauging the pulse of his actors like a good showrunner or director or producer should, because he knows it's going to be an integral part to the, to the energy that bounces off the walls in that building. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's smart. I mean, he peppers us up a little bit to a certain extent. It's like, Hey, we put a lot of work into this part. Hopefully this is the shit. So hopefully you guys are popping real loud in the crowd right into the camera. <laughs> and we are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we buy it hook, line, and sinker because, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're, we're kind of marks. So, we you, know, are, man. you know, handprint right on the shoulder, go walk right in and, and cheer for the big spot. I mean, look, Casey is the biggest Pentagon fan I know. And here's three ladies coming in from Japan and putting the boots to the guy. And he was popping as hard as anybody in that whole friggin' place. It was amazing. It was an amazing moment. Oh, that was that was a great show to be there for. And I'm thankful that I was able to be there live. Like, I mean, I'm like that every time I'm there. But that was a special one. Despite I don't know why Byron doesn't talk. Why Why does he do uh, uh, Marcel Marceau on he's, the show? He's dreaming about seeing Kevin Cross this weekend, who, by the way, is one of the guys we're most excited about coming into Lucha Underground. You listen to me. You listen to me right now. You tell Kevin Cross I hate his face and guts. All of his face and all of his guts, I have nothing but venom and hatred for. Okay? I want to curse him out in Croatian, in Croat. I, I, you tell him this, and you tell him that PJ Friedman can eat his lunch, and so can I. And that's the end of that. Can yeah, that message that. delivered? I, this is going to be fun. As long as he doesn't yeah. kill me for being the messenger. No, make Byron say it, dude. I'm not okay, saying yeah. anything that you're cross. No, everything. You say everything that you say to him. Do you hear me? Tell him his eyes are too close together on his face. He looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. See, now, and we told everybody, we told Matt before the show he didn't have to shoot on anybody. So this is by his own choosing that he has done this. This has nothing to do with us, guys. Who's, who's, Kevin, who's he wrestling? He's wrestling somebody. Who? Uh, some fat body, some guy, I don't know. Who he's wrestling um, Johnny Mundo? Yeah, Johnny Fat Body. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you listen to me. First of all, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Johnny's actually pretty tough. And I want Johnny to do you know what uh, <laughs> do you know what checking someone's oil is? <laughs> oh, okay. I want I want you to tell Kevin Cross that that I want Johnny to, to make sure he checks his oil. All right, and Kevin's gonna flatten out like a baby alligator the minute Johnny does it too. <laughs> oh, it's too good. It's too good. Oh, we're not talking about Kevin Cross, right? Oh yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, we're still talking about Kevin Cross. You, you, you know the, you know the Kevin Cross we're talking about. Sure do. He's a part of um, Future Stars Wrestling in Vegas, right? I think he's their champion. 
Well, he's not so much their champion anymore. He was their champion for a long, long time, and then he uh, he relinquished, shall we say, the title, and now he's the uh, modern vintage wrestling champion, but he's no longer the FSW champion. <laughs> That's a great name for a company, Modern Vintage. I think I've worked there actually. Yeah, they're on the they're on the East Coast. They're not out here. Somehow he flew across the country and got himself a belt. I hate him. I hate his face. I hate his guts. I want you say Las Vegas. I worked for. Uh, a company called Paragon Pro Wrestling out in Vegas for a while. And there's a tag team out there, the Whirlwind Gentlemen, Remy Marcel, Jack Manley. I like them. I think they would be, be fun in Lucha Underground. I mean, are there are there any other guys out there that you see should should come in? Like, you know, when I oh, heard Jeff were available, I was like, oh, shit, it'd be so cool if they show up in Lucha Underground. But I don't think the timing's right. Um, but who do you who do you want to see? So I'm always partial to the guys that you know I came up with. And I think seeing the Amazing Red and Brian XL – or uh, Jose Maximo in the temple would be awesome. And I, I've always wanted to do this either with Lucha Underground or, or with All Japan or something. When I was coming up, I traveled with Low-Key, Homicide, Monster Mac, Mafia. And I would love to see those four guys. Even MVP, because he hangs out with them a lot. I mean, I didn't come up with P. We, we know each other from WWE and stuff. But if they could... Do like a, a yo, I, I heard the best is here. I heard you're looking for a fight kind of thing. I'd love to see the hit squad, Loki and Homicide, do something either in Lucha Underground or All Japan. Like, those are the kind of guys I would like to see, you know. And, and there, there's a few other new young high flyers, but with, with all the great talent these days, every day there's a new kid. House of Glory's got a guy. Kurt Creator Pro, Kurt Hawkins Place has a guy. Um, Pat Buck's school has a guy. Uh, Johnny Rod's school has a guy. Like, you know, these, this is just in New York alone. Good. Is good what we need? Um, no, it's not at all, actually, because uh, it goes back to it being a television show. I was just being, I was waxing nostalgic. Yeah, I, Love to see too. I mean, in, that- in the temple. I would lose my mind. And that's the thing, too. It's like I, I know a lot of guys like the, the quote-unquote flippy shit guys, but at, at certain times I'm like, yeah, but if you have a promotion that's 20 of those guys, does it does it mean the same thing anymore? It's like I want five of those guys, you know, and right. then I want – And, then, and sprinkle, in a, uh, sprinkle in a Zack Sabre and a Drew Gulak. And then, like I said, Key and Homicide, that they are not anything like any of those other guys. And then, and then sprinkle in a uh, – you know, a hardcore kind of guy or, or something like that, or a Dan Barry and a Bill Carr or, you know, things like that. Sure. Well, and see, and I, and I no love the, the, the crossing of worlds too, because I'm an old school ECW fan as Byron would love to tell you. Yeah. Cause I talk and mark you out about ECW hours all and hours the time. ECW shows uh, from Cleveland to wherever it's story we've heard a thousand yes, times. I drove from Cleveland to Philly for several ECW shows. I love my ECW, but you really? know, my, my thing is like I want to see the high flying guy that can that can also present himself as the most hardcore character out there. Like I want to see that hybrid. Like, is there a guy that can do flippy shit and make me fear for my life, like Sandman? Oh, a little guy named Sabu, maybe. Jesus Christ, Justin. Well, exactly. But I mean, I'm talking the modern versions of these things that 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 cross the lines. Like that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing now. And you know, like I've seen uh, our, our our buddy Austin Maddelson, Luchasaurus, uh, Vibora out there doing flip bump uh, finishers now on the road with Johnny, you know, that's crazy to me. That's what I want to see. That's like, told, I wouldn't expect that from him. You know, it, it's interesting that hybrid you say that, that does the <laughs> flippy shit, but then can also make you fear for your life. 
Uh, I haven't seen that since low key. And maybe because I'm just too close to it, but he could do all the flippy stuff. And he also, everything you believed, every single thing he did in the ring. And I haven't seen someone that has made me look when I was a kid, I was scared of Ox Baker. And then, you know, as I got into wrestling, you know, no, 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 no one's really a jerk, but look, I'm genuinely could be intimidated by Brock Lesnar. If, if he wasn't nice to me, if I, if I wasn't cool with Paul Heyman and Brock wasn't nice to me, I would feel some sort of way. There aren't a lot of guys that are not signed to contracts that make you feel that way. Key to me is the last of a, of a breed. Um, Dante Fox has a little bit of that in him. Uh, I always ask myself, would I want to fight this guy in a bar? That's always how my go-to. I mean, I guess if I had to, I would. It would suck, but... Dante, Dante Fox looks like he might knock you out. You know what I mean? I see. Dante Fox looks like the guy who doesn't care if you try to knock him out. And those are the dudes that I'm scared of the most because there's a certain I don't give a fuck kind of attitude that a guy carries himself with. And those are the dudes that it's like he might fight you straight up and you might have a chance or he might break a chair leg off and try to impale you like he might just do something crazy and wild. <laughs> You and just reminded me, reminded me of a what's that, Matt? Of a of a northeast guy. He just popped into my head. You guys remember Adam Baum? Yeah. Okay. There's a guy in the northeast. He's a big. He's a big big guy for the Indies, and he wears green and black. And that's why I think of Adam Baum. And I, I hope I get his name right. I think it's Mike Orlando is his name. And he's a big dude who can flip. Who also it would suck to fight in a bar. So, so I'm glad that you just you made me remember that. So there you go. People will Google these names. I gotta look this dude up because I'm not familiar. So yeah, I, I will check that out because I was a member of the bomb squad like the rest of us. I always nice. wanted him to throw the football to me. Never did. You know what? I'm beginning to 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 take back some of my bravado in the name game line challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Casey is, Casey is, is frighteningly good at the name game. Like uh, if you want to really, really, really hurt your parts before taping an episode of Lucha Underground, come on out to the line with, with Case and do the thing. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty oh. awful. And the animated. loser, the loser has to buy the winner a Spider-Man ice cream. Oh, from the truck? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. Mm, ice cream. Them's the rules. <laughs> oh, God, I hope I get to beat you on Lismark Jr. for the win. Oh, oh I'm aware with Lismark Jr. In fact, I knew that Mike today was screwing up and calling Atlantis Lismark on Nitro. Wow, you know something? I think I may even remember that. <laughs> And then I remember people getting pissed and, uh, you know, the internet was a smaller place then. It was like me and Byron on America online talking to like Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie and stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah, Canyon. Canyon was a big AOL guy. Oh wow, that's crazy, man. That's really was one of the early guys getting himself over on social media. Yeah, it was him, DDP. Stevie and Meanie, and then Nova kind of came in for a while, but not and like... DDP was old yeah. when he started. Like, he had no business even knowing how to use the internet. Oh, dude, not only did he use, know how to use the internet, he would go after trolls. He'd be like, this guy called me Dirty Doofus Page. He's a piece of crap. And then he'd, like, call him out, and then everyone else on the message board would, like, start giving them shit. It was amazing. Wow. That's crazy. Good it's kind of like Twitter. <laughs> 
Um, so, Matt, you did time in Japan too, didn't you? Did you? What did you do? Pro Pro Wrestling Zero. I, I did. I did time in Japan. You know, what I'm saying it was rough. Yeah, you um, were sent up the river to Japan. <laughs> um, wrong, Matt. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I, I had a lot of fun there. Actually, um, again, being a lifelong wrestling fan, to travel the same roads as guys that you watched on cassette, cassette on VHS tapes and stuff. That's that was never lost on me ever. Yeah, I sh- I show my age because I talk about tape trading too. The young the youngsters are like, "What do you mean you didn't just look it up on YouTube?" Like, no, dude, I had to like mail order some other dude in Wisconsin to get tapes of old ECW hardcore TV episodes that I never saw. Yeah, I used to buy tapes from High Spots, and one time they sent me Dragon Gate instead of the Best of Explosion matches, but I didn't complain because it was a good tape. Oh yeah, of course. Kidding me? Oh, showing my age. Um. W- I want to. When you got called up to WWE, did you have to do development? I don't like. I remember seeing you doing stuff on the indies, and then like it felt like it was overnight that you were on WWE TV to me. Did you have to do time developmentally with them? Um, again, I I was real fortunate. Glory be to God that uh, the the first real shot was against Kurt on SmackDown in Philly. No one really saw it, and then the teacher news broke. And then I got another shot in the Meadowlands on Raw, and then they just started booking me every week. And then about six months in, they said, uh, we'd like you to head down to Deep South. And I guess I didn't understand it because if they called me on a Tuesday, <laughs> that Wednesday night, my whole car was packed. I got on 95 and I started driving to Atlanta. I didn't know. And, and then and I got there. I guess I got there too early. Like my apartment, nothing was ready. I slept in my car for one night. I slept on the floor in the apartment for like six nights. My furniture didn't come. And then like three weeks later, I think it was Johnny, Johnny Laurinaitis called you like, all right, uh, you, you, you can go back. You go back up, you know, back home. Like, I just moved down here. I was like, can I, can I stay? And I think they thought it was like, wow, he must really love wrestling. He wants to stay. It was, no, I, I just drove all my stuff down here. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm not going back home. So I, I liked being in developmental. I got to spend time around Jody Hamilton and Bill DeMott and, and Arn Anderson and William Regal and Dave Taylor and so much. So, uh, yeah, I was, didn't have to do time there, brother, but I was down there for a little while. It was fun. Well, no, that's cool. So, so that makes sense, too, of why I was seeing you on the indies, then right on WWE TV, you actually did, you got to the big show and then did some developmental stuff afterwards, which I, I guess I just didn't even really notice because it was just like, oh, shit, that striker dude who was doing all those crazy gimmicks is up here at the big show now, you know, and which I thought was super cool. I was I was uh, popping for it back then. And um, I guess it's not cool, though, that I didn't realize that you were off WWE TV for a while, though. How, how long were you in uh, down there? I was still on TV while I was down there. I, they, I was going to TV and then after TV, I would go down and uh, you could if you did TV and you came back on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you didn't have to go to practice on a Tuesday or Wednesday. But if you've ever been to McDonough, Georgia, I'm a kid from Queens, New York. There ain't nothing to do in McDonough, Georgia. So I would land, I'd go home, I'd make a poop, because that's the first thing I do after I land over a good flight. I'd take a shower and I'd go and go and get in the wrestling ring. I, I I loved it. You know, now I'm older and putting on my boots isn't so much fun anymore to just kind of go roll around and practice at Gleason's gym. But back then, if I could get in there, I could get in there with uh, Brad Armstrong, rest his soul, or Tim Horn, or whoever the trainers were, 
shit, I'm going in there. Let's chain wrestle. Show me this. Show me that. Oh, shit. Did you say Gleason's? Yeah, my man. favorite gym in the entire universe. I was wearing a Gleason shirt on the show, I think, last week or two weeks ago. There you go. That's home. That's where I trained. Fuck yeah, man. Good gym. Um, as I think that gym is the first place I ever drank raw eggs. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I I still have a Hulk Hogan workout poster where he tells you to drink raw eggs. <laughs> you should sue him for like salmonella poisoning. Dude, that is that is like such an old timer thing, man. It's like, dude, we got protein shakes and all sorts of shit now. You don't you don't need to do that. There's no point behind it. You know, I would be nice. One of my guys. What? I was saying uh, a couple weeks ago, I filmed one of the guys on my show uh, drinking four eggs right before we had a big day. Why? It was Wes did it. No, I was waiting for him to throw up. He never threw up. No, you don't really throw up, but it's just kind of gross and stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's all right. <laughs> I think if Byron was a good producer, he would have produced him throwing up. There you oh, go. <laughs> Um, this, Matt, this is why you don't talk all the time, Byron. They, they don't <laughs> let you live, man. We don't give Byron like any any just chance at all. Because if we do, it's it's hours of that. <laughs> <laughs> but we love him anyway. Um, okay, so the ECW TV show on Sci-Fi. It was a it, it was a strange thing to me, having been an, an old school ECW fan. Like what did what did you think about when you got over there? You got like new breed versus the old school guys. You got Kelly Kelly just almost getting naked. You, you know, you had this whole different thing of kind of combining the attitude area era with ECW and you were kind of right in the the m middle of the whole thing. What was your thought on that product? My thought was, oh, you mean I get to work every night and I get to work Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer and Sam and Sabu? Oh, you mean I get to go to WrestleMania? Oh, you mean I get to be on TV? Oh, you mean I get to do commentary? Oh, you, dude, I just, again, I saw it as opportunity. And I, I, I don't know if it's just I was lucky to be trained by Johnny Rods the, the right way, I guess, is I always saw everything as opportunity. You want to be a ref? Oh, man, I'm going to be the best ref in the world. You want to be a timekeeper? You want to ring the bell? Oh, man, I'm going to be the best timekeeper. I just, I loved it. I love that, that ECW times. Let me tell you, I got to know Balls Mahoney, God rest his soul. And you would not believe the heart that that guy had. He was so kind. Sandman and I to this day still talk. We are still genuine friends. Tommy Dreamer is, I mean, I can say he's my, my best friend in wrestling. I started talking to Tommy earlier today. I told him how fat his head looks on television. Giant, like, <laughs> Easter Island, the Tomohiro Ishii head. He's gigantic. <laughs> but, you know, I, I made lifelong friendships there. Uh, Test, Andrew Martin, God rest his soul. Nicest guy in the world. You know, it was, it was really a great time. It really was. Now, what? Matt, I have a question for you. You uh -oh. said Johnny Rods. I know you trained with them. But you didn't call him the unpredictable Johnny Rods once. When you were training, did he just chop you guys every time you said that or something? Because you haven't said unpredictable once. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really call people by their nicknames when I'm speaking to them, of them in the, in the, in the informal. But do yes, you have a nickname? Because now I will only refer to you as your nickname. Oh, you it's could just call me. It's fine. Or Lucha, Lucha Gringo. Gringo. No, we like yeah. Lucha Gringo. 
Or, or Lucha line, line name game champion. I'll just call you champion. If we could get a belt made, you know, the dudes who made, I know the guy that designed the gift of the gods belt. So I prefer Jess- to call you whitey wrestling fan as, in, hey. as opposed to Lucha Gringo. That's offensive. And now I'm going to boycott your show and I'm going to protest and I'm going to get a hashtag going before you, <laughs> before you do that though. Um, our, our homeboy, Jimmy V wants to know about your match at WrestleMania 23. Yes. He wants you to tell us the goods on your match at WrestleMania 23. The goods. Uh, we we had been having eight man tags for a couple of, I think a month or so leading up to it. We were just in Mexico a couple of nights before, and uh, Rob nearly sent me out of the ring, across the ring, uh, giving me a monkey flip, and it hurt so much because look, say what you want about a wrestling ring, you land in certain places on that the wrong way, dude. It knocks the wind out of you, like you, you, like your hips kind of crack. Sometimes you gotta like fart like right at the head to release the pressure. I'm telling you. So there's some stuff that you don't need to know. But uh, my highlight, and I've said this before, is there's a picture. Tommy has it. Dreamer has it. At the end of the match, it's Tommy, Sandman, Sabu, and Rob, and Scott Armstrong, and they're holding their hands up in victory. And in the bottom left-hand corner, you see little old me laying on the apron, one leg off, one leg on. I think I have like a wedgie. And I'm looking at them, and I'm smiling, because there are the four guys that became my friends in that time. You have to understand, my time at WWE in the beginning, it wasn't. It was very difficult. A lot of guys didn't like me, didn't accept me. I had, I had uh, uh, some social issues. And those four guys... They were my friends. We rode together. We traveled together. And I got to see them raise their hands. I mean, Tommy, to get to WrestleMania, he deserves that. Sandman, Sabu, they deserve that. You know, and it was nice for me to see. And I knew that, that Tommy's wife and kids were there. And it was just a nice moment. I was just laying there like I was laying in bed, just looking at them. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, I mean, not not a diss on you, but I popped so hard for it because, you know, being the old school ECW fan, like that was the moment that I didn't I didn't think was ever going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like those were got not guys that even when I was watching him and huge fans of them, like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see these guys have a WrestleMania moment. Like that, that was just right. not even partially an option ever. God, I remember right. watching that in this crowded ass sports bar in California, and everyone was going nuts like we were in freaking Philly. It was amazing. Like that—that that is a great moment, man. That's, that yeah. sounds fun. I wonder if they'll have any moments like that this year. Moments are what you make of them, and every moments are different to everyone. So hopefully they will, and I'm sure they will. Now, Matt, my question for you while we're still on ECW is do you feel like the new breed would have been more successful in ECW if they brought the time-traveling new breed in from the time? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I used to walk around making Chris Champion, and I think it was like Nelson Royal jokes, and the only person that got them was Tommy Dreamer. So, oh, wow, man. dude. You seriously, I, I again, I'm beginning to walk away slowly backwards from you in the wrestling name game because when I drop Techno Team 2000 on people and it's three T's back to you, they lose their shit. And you're just like, yo, man, the old new breed, remember them? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Casey is something special, man. I'm telling you. Hey, dude, I mean, come on. He had a cast that had like robot parts on it because he legit broke his arm, but they're like a regular cast. Doesn't look like it's from the future. Let's glue a spark plug on it. It was amazing. My yeah. And they where said, did you, "Where did you grow up?" Uh, the eighties, you know. No, where, where, which, which region, brother? Oh, California, L.A. So it's, it's I, I lucked out as a kid. Mountain. I lucked out as a kid because I got to see one of the few WWF house show Hogan versus Flair matches at the uh, at the sports arena, 
And I think I think they did maybe three of those. Like they did New York, they did San Francisco, they did LA, and then that was it. And then they weren't working with each other on the road anymore. So how, how did you watch? Uh, I, I guess it was still World Championship Wrestling or Mid Atlantic. Uh, did you TBS six oh five? Yeah, TBS six oh five, and uh, also the Saturday morning shows were at you know six in the morning here. So that was always interesting. Uh, and if you know, I would read Pro Wrestling Illustrated before I got cable and stuff, so I knew who the new breed was from the magazines more than the TV. Right. But I went back and watched all this stuff because the promos are amazing. I mean, President Dusty Rhodes, it says it all. Wow, that's great stuff. That's great <laughs> stuff. Um, hey, Matt, we were, you know, we talked a little bit about UFC, or you were talking a little bit about UFC. What do you think about Todd Grisham over there on the announce desk at UFC? Have you heard any of his stuff yet? And, and would you do anything like that? Like if, if the wrestling world didn't have an announce job for you, would you go into another sport like he did? Uh, well, yeah, I, I just did a bunch of work with Sports Illustrated SI Now Live, and um, I, I can talk sports that I'm, that I'm into. You know, I, I can talk hockey, I can talk baseball, I can talk MMA, I can talk boxing. As far as Todd goes, uh, I love Todd. I have so much, so many great memories. I learned so much working with Todd. And I always say that Michael Cole, Josh Matthews, Todd Grisham, William Regal, Jim Ross, Joey Styles, even Jack Corpella and uh, Tony Dawson. You, know, you, you learn from, from everyone. And uh, Todd is great. He's good at what he does. He knows when to be on and when to not be on. So uh, I think he's fantastic. And I would. I would definitely lend my voice to certain sports that I'm passionate about. I like or, Todd. I like Todd a lot doing the actual commentary. In fact, I liked him better doing the commentary than on the desk. Like I thought that he was very natural on the commentary, and I was surprised at first. But I was like, "Oh, it doesn't make sense." Todd knows what the hell he's doing, and he knows MMA. Yeah, the Grish is all right, man. I was I was surprised, but you know, with with uh, Goldberg being out there, which was a bigger shocker. That uh, you know, you don't see big names like that kind of leave their posts too often and and it it does give a guy like Todd a chance like and there people always say in certain industries you got to wait for some guy to die before you can step over his corpse and get the job and that's kind of the way it was in UFC and and you know he was the guy to do it well I mean if you look at baseball look at the Dodgers Vin Scully sat alone in that booth for quite a long time and now I think it's going to be Charlie Steiner but I mean like you said sometimes it's Sometimes you got to wait, and other times you have to find an opportunity. So I'm happy for Todd. Oh, Vince Scully, legend, legend, beautiful oh, legend. So, so how long do you want to do the Lucha Underground thing? Do you want this to go 12 seasons, 20 seasons, two more? Like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen, and what do you want to do? <laughs> it's easy to get to to fall to earth and get lost in the flesh for me to say I want, I want, I want. But at the end of the day, I mean. I'm going to hang up with you in a little while. I'm not being funny. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to get into bed. You know, or maybe I'll play my drums before that. But still, the point is that what I want doesn't matter. It's, I just, I just, it, to me, it's, it's God's will. So if this show is, is supposed to be and destined to go on for a long time, that's awesome. If it's supposed to go seven seasons, great. If it's supposed to end at three, great. Whatever it is, you know, what, what I want and what I need are two different things. And I have more than I need, and I'm thankful for that. So I try to curtail my wants as I'm getting, you know, on in my life. I'm trying to be 
a little more practical and be here now kind of thing. It's a good way to look at things. Well, and it's and it's a good thing to be in the now for because it's not as predictable. It's a new model. It's a new thing. As much as people want to hearken it back to something else, from everything that I can see, it's really a new way of doing things. So you can't really put it in one basket and and expect it to to hatch the egg that you think it's going to hatch. So it's probably a smart attitude to have. Yeah, it would be fruitless, and it would only create in, uh, what I would deem to be you know negative energy. Look, there's an old saying: if you're uh, now I won't remember it, but if you have anxiety, you're concerned about the future. If you have depression, you're concerned about the past. So just be here now, and that's it. So what what do you have going on right now? Is there anything you want to plug? Are you doing any appearances or anything that you've got going on that you want the people to know about? Uh, I'll be on Netflix a week from yesterday. I'm with John DeGround season one. I'll be at the West Coast Wrestling Connection this weekend. I've got some appearances. I'm doing WrestleCon, which I think will be a lot of fun. I'm doing something with Ric Flair and Sting and JR. I'm doing a lot of stuff for What Culture Pro Wrestling in England. And uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore coming up in in about four weeks or so. And other than that, that's it. Going to the gym. I think I'm going to play softball, and that's it. What else? Matt, is West Coast Wrestling Connection Adam Ginsberg's promotion? No. uh, It is... Jeff Aiken, Morty Lipschitz. I, I do know that name, Ginsburg, though. Maybe I know Alan Ginsburg. <laughs> Maybe that's someone else. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, just It just sounded familiar to me. Sorry. Sorry. But this... Uh, Is that an inside joke that I'm not a part of? Because the three of you are laughing. No, they know my friends. Uh, they're just... Yeah, because there's a... You know what? I think they're West Coast Championship Wrestling, actually. Ooh. That's the thing. WCW? WCCW? Is Eric Embry going to tear down the banner in the back of the Sportatorium? We're going to bring in some PY Chuhai. Yeah, baby. It's a pretty good, uh, there's a pretty good story about him. It's really dirty, though. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> I won't tell it on this podcast because YouTube might get mad. I know Matt, get us get us hyped up for for the return of season three. Like, is there there yesterday? What? Then season three, May thirty first. This is fucking amazing, right? Right. I mean, I think as much as people are like, "Oh, Lucha's gone," and this, that, and the other thing, it's like there's a whole lot of good Lucha stuff going on. Um, And then as soon as you know, season three is is going to still be running, and we'll probably be back to live tapings too. But you know, what what is the thing that you would say to people that you want to get to come in and watch the second half of season three, Matt? Well, I, I think it's as in life, we very seldom get the chance to, to press a reset button. And now, you know, time is our greatest commodity. It's one thing you can never get back. And right now, all we, we have time. We have the, the gift of in, in six days, Lucha Underground seasons one and two on Netflix. You have the time to go back and invest yourself emotionally, invest yourself in the storylines and the arcs and the characters and, and watch those seasons as much as you can because before you know it, here comes, and, and get caught up on season three too because here comes the second half of season three and then God willing season four and, and you'll be all caught up. So I just think it's a perfect storm and I think you should take advantage of time because we don't always have it and we wish we could. Personally, I'm just hoping that we find out that Vinny Massaro was the limo guy. 
Do you, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. The limo guy uh, was supposed to be, may still turn out to be, could possibly be. The names, if I told you, if I ran off five of the names that were supposed to be attached to the limo guy, and then the discussions that could result, very, very interesting. I mean, I feel like we've had those as hypotheticals anyway. Everywhere, everyone from Dr. Wagner all the way up to Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, I feel like a lot of people were possibilities at one point in time, and I have no clue where it stands now. And and this is one of those DJ things where when you mention it to him, you just get this little thing, and he's just like, bring well, in the laser. <laughs> here's the thing. Sharks with fucking laser beams. Here's the thing. There's one person. I saw the call sheet. I don't know if they ever shot anything. I don't know if this person ever arrived on set. But he's someone that is on TV quite a bit right now. And it would just blow my mind if that footage exists. And that's who it is. Because then that's like, I think people's heads will explode. And uh, yeah, that's it. Also, I saw Dario Cueto on a new commercial today for like an insurance company or something. That tripped me out for a minute up here oh, in New those York. Those are the best. Yeah. His commercials are awesome when you see him just ah, doing, doing one of his faces. I saw him as a referee. Somebody found a picture of him playing Dracula, which is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. He would be, <laughs> He's not playing. He is Dracula. He would be an awesome, you know, like Latino version of Christopher Lee in general. <laughs> He's great. He, he's he's a he's a he's a great uh, he's a great actor, and he's boss. he's great he's in the role boss. he plays. Yeah, <laughs> I think he did that Flying Chuck improv show in L.A. that Mundo and a bunch of those guys do. Um, uh, but all the adver- based on all the advertising, I think he did it as Cueto. Nice. Like he was he was advertised as Dario Cueto's coming to do Flying Chuck. Yeah, there you which, go. Hey, why not take your take your biggest gimmick and run with it, man? And I love that Mundo's doing that kind of stuff. I I love that he's like very serious about getting his acting chops where he feels comfortable with it. You know, that's awesome to me. I I wish that every in ring talent had the time and ability to do that. Ability, <laughs> ability. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, some guys you know shouldn't do that, but I think he's a he's a great candidate for it. I mean, and I hope that he can actually take that and branch out with it more, and you know. Do, do some movie bits and whatnot. Like, why not? Yeah, John's a very, very talented, talented person. I loved him as Casey Jones, man. He's way better than the dude from Arrow was in the last movie. They should have just got Johnny Mundo to be Casey Jones. And Cage, bang up He-Man, I gotta say. Cage is He-Man, really? But could he do the Prince Adam parts? Come on. I, I don't think he ever did any Prince Adam. I think he was He-Man through the whole thing. It's been a while since I've seen it, but... You know, uh, I, I auditioned for Orco, and uh, <laughs> I think they went with Mascarita instead. Damn. That seems to line up. That seems about right to me. Nice. Um, well, Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome and just chopping it up with you and shooting the shit. Like, that's that's what we like to do on this show and just kind of have fun with our guests. And you have been an absolute pleasure, my friend. I, I appreciate the three of you, and I just want to let your listeners know, if you guys knew – what these three guys go through to try to get like 
you, you guys, you helped me out getting me on the air today, and we were supposed to do it, I think, a week or two ago, and we couldn't. So just so your listeners know, your three hosts really bust their ass trying to, like, deal with some some stuff to try to get talent on here or lack thereof. So a tip of the cap to you three gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very kindly, sir. And uh, we'll do it because we love it, man. We're not trying to get over. We're just trying to to get on and have fun with it, man. Oh, you so had that line planned. All right, go do your face off. Enjoy yourselves. Take it easy. All right, Matt. Take care. Thanks, Matt. All right. That was uh, was Matt Stryker. Didn't realize it from the last however many hours. Um, But, oh, dude. Great interview. Byron is just dipping because he mentioned face-off, though. Byron, you should have watched it this week because it had the best line. I got to say, they tried to do the Bachelor thing where they didn't have the elimination last week and tried to kick the show off with it, and it completely took the steam out of the whole friggin' thing. It was just stupid. And I'm gonna tell I'm gonna take the steam out of our thing and tell everyone to go back to our episode last week and listen to who we said was getting eliminated, who we would eliminate, because it was the same fucking people. Yeah, and there's no reason for me to have to talk about it this week because it shouldn't even have been on this episode. Right. Stupid. Right. And don't and worry, the- Byron, I got plenty of WWE stuff that I want to talk about and a little UFC stuff too. So people who were here that want to hear about wrestling stuff, don't leave. We'll be right back to wrestling stuff in a minute. But me and Casey got to talk about this face-off crap because it was like, yeah, no, it was awesome. The challenge was great. Um, the challenge this week was to basically take a pin- make a Pinocchio-type character, but saying that the the worksmith was of from a different uh, type of element like he was a tailor or a goldsmith or wh- whatever else they had but it was kind of a cool it was like you know what if geppetto had a different profession make make his pinocchio and if he was a wrestler he'd be daniel bryan because he just he dresses like geppetto all the time but um yeah hipster but this- oh shit kevin cross is already blowing it up <laughs> god damn it uh, that's great that's oh, great. and speaking of funny th- stuff, DJ just now tweeted out a link to Morrison's new movie trailer. Oh, <laughs> how, does, how strange is that timing? Is it? Does he wrestle a dog? I don't know. Kick ass. That was the last one. Yeah, he's, he's got a, a movie trailer. So check DJ's uh, Twitter thread, Twitter feed. I hope it's a cinematic that. masterpiece like Russell Madness. Where he wrestled the, I I don't think they were allowed to call it WrestleMania, so they had to call it Russell Madness. That's the only reason they would lose a pun like that. But um, anyway, we're talking face off. We're talking about fucking not even a real show. Jimmy also says that Dario played Vision in a Funnier Die sketch in uh, Avengers sketch, and of course Jimmy would know all things Marvel. Yeah, way way to get him playing Vision. Jimmy, because he would I be a million times more interesting. My God, my God. But you know what? Casting Nefaria. You know that, Jim? Me and you are the only ones in this whole world that know who Count Nefaria is, but cast Dario Cueto in that role, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so back to back to face off real quick. Um were you bummed to see Rachel and Gage leave? No, because I think the, new were the bottom look. I'm I'm bummed to see anyone leave at this point because all these teams are really fucking good. Like there wasn't much dead weight this season, but they're definitely like all really good teams. But I felt like their makeup just shit the bed to the point where they kind of deserved to be the ones that went home. I mean, 
I guess so, but uh, Evan and Ben have not turned in uh, a winning performance yet. Oh, no, they got one. They got one. Did they get it one? Was, yeah, they got one after the the first week that they were bottom looks. The second week, they pulled it back. and then they, I think they were second that week. Like, they had a good look, but it wasn't the winner. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, they they were second, and then they, they did that weird thing where they had three teams in top looks just so they could kind of highlight how far they came. Right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I don't All know, right. Team Merwolf, they weren't on the bottom again this week, which is good because they've been – this was three or four weeks in a row for them, which is pretty brutal. Well, they were they were having some heat, though, over the, the patina thing, right? Yeah, and they uh, – the the funny thing is though, like I felt like it, like when I was watching the Rockers break up, you know, <laughs> and uh, I thought that someone was gonna go through that makeup mirror like the barbershop window, but it didn't happen. And um, they both said on Twitter that it was just really rough editing that they weren't shitting on each other that much. And then act break, man. Anybody who knows television is like, we got, we need some drama. If everyone just does work and it's good work. And that's the problem with having an all-star season in, in a lot of these kind of shows is you have a bunch of people who know how to play the game. They're not going to upset the other people. They're, friend, they're everyone's friends who's on the show for the most yeah. part at this point, except they should all hate Emily because of her lack of movie knowledge. Um, but yeah, I would get that. I would believe that if that, that they weren't really shitting on each other that hard. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, though, like... Uh... Logan and Adam were doing it last week. So it's like they're highlighting a team doing it each week. I don't know. I felt like it was a little little more heated last week, though. And I feel yeah. like there's still a little something between Logan and Adam where they're not quite 100% on the same page. Oh, they are this week because there's a whole hashtag justice for the sailor going around right now. Okay, so let's just talk about it. I liked Rockeye the Sailor Man. I, I I did too. I felt he looked a little more like Stay Puff the Marshmallow Man. But the judges hated. So they got they got rocks. Uh, they got a stonesmith, a mason, if you will. Right. And they decided to. Oh, let's just do it a little funny. What would be the worst thing for a rock person to want to be? A sailor. a sailor. Because he'll sink, and then they're cracking jokes about you know putting like a anchor tattoo on him. Like it's hilarious. Yeah, and he kind of came out. You know, looking like a rock version of Popeye dressed like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, but I liked it. And the but face was not what... symmetrical. It was all askew. Like, why would your face be symmetrical if you were a rock? When was the last time you saw a rock that was even on all sides? A rock that's even on all sides is like a diamond, and somebody cut it that way. Like, rocks aren't even. Well, and the Dwayne, judges... Dwayne Johnson is... He's very pretty, symmetrical. He's pretty symmetrical. But, um... What, what was the line, Justin? Because I know you took notes, and it is the best line in face-off history. Oh, I don't – you know what? I didn't actually write it in my notes because I figured for sure you would never, ever forget it. Um, it. She, I have it in the DM, though. I can find it because you said it. You said it, it looks like a pop I made out of rocks it had a stroke. Stroke, yeah. Yeah, because he had kind of the Popeye like yeah, 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 face. But it was know? all and, sideways. <laughs> yeah, it and was, it didn't move because he's made of rocks. And which judge said that, Lee? Uh, that was V. Neal, the nice judge. V said that, right? Mm-hmm. The nice mm-hmm. judge. The nice judge. <laughs> Made the stroke face comment. <laughs> Made the stroke face comment. It was it was pretty bad. But I do got to say the other teams brought it. Like Sig and George, they got leather. And they were the last ones to go up. So they were stuck with leather. They didn't get to pick it. 
Look, it was just the last race. Some of you oh. guys, if you're not watching <clears throat> Face Off, like if you have Sci-Fi Channel, just check it out sometime. I know you guys think some of you think we're crazy for even talking about this show, but it's pretty sweet. These people do all sorts of sci-fi horror makeup and costuming stuff. And this leather thing <clears throat> was on great. another level. Like rodeo clown whose face and hair looked completely photoreal, except looked like he was made out of leather. And they did like this cool a tanner. Like, a tanner, that's what you call him, right? Yeah. What do you what do you call the, the you know like the filigree shit in the leather on like a on a western belt? They had that shit like carved into their face. Yeah, and, it was amazing. Yeah. And I was I was blown away. And guess what? They didn't win. No. <laughs> because maybe one of the best makeups in the history of the show. I, don't know. I think theirs was better. I think Sig Sig I, I think theirs was better. But Emily God hate her soul. Emily actually created a new technique in the process of a two-day super abbreviated challenge. She did some genius level shit with moleskin. That is why she won. I don't yeah. necessarily like hers was not as memorable. When I close my eyes, I can see Sig and George's leather guy. I can see it. Yeah. I can't see hers when I close my eyes. I'm not going to necessarily remember, but the technique that Emily and Tyler used was completely made up during the process of the show. 100% new. So if you're a makeup artist or you're into like, horror stuff or whatever, even though this isn't a horror thing, like go watch this because literally on the show, they invented a new makeup technique. And I got to say, Justin, that the, the leather clown being uh, what you see when you close your eyes says more for your leather fetish and Byron should take off that jacket right now. Um, but it's actually a clown fetish. When I was a kid, my, my little collectibles, my stepfather had collectible frogs and I wanted collectibles too. So I got creepy clowns as a kid. You know, I mean, my grandma had a room. Maybe that's why I like AAA so much right now. Yeah, maybe my grandma had a room of creepy clowns when I was a kid and they scared the shit out of me. They were all dolls. It was fucking horrifying. Big ones like tall. But anyway, um, yeah, so they need they got uh Emily and Tyler got clothing. Like they got a stitcher. So they made it look like it was a ballerina that came to life from like uh uh Taylor's dummy. And uh to get the face the right level of fuzzy, she shaved the mole skin, she glued it to the face, and then all the judges are like, How'd you do that? And when she told them, they're like, What the fuck? Did you just make that up? And I think we figured something out because She's never seen any movies, but she's creating all these great makeups. Well, and that's maybe maybe it is her her kryptonite and her superpower is that she has no point of reference, so she just has to invent new stuff. But that's not going to help her get jobs out there. When someone says, "Hey, I want something that feels kind of like a Cenobite met you know the Explorers movie," like she's got to you got to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't just wing it and make it up yourself out of moleskin every time. If if I'm a director and someone doesn't get it when I say I want someone to look like Dr. Evazon from Star Wars, the greatest Star Wars character ever created, my friend doesn't like you. I, I don't I like you. Either. You'll be dead. <laughs> oh, God. You know, if someone doesn't understand that and make hey, it look like he has an eye like a butthole. Look, and it's not just us. Andre Nichols in the chat room says the techniques used by Sig and George for their leather and Emily's cloth were amazing. So they were, and they were the top looks, and this was a top look challenge, but Tyler and Emily 
to comb the Priz eyes this time. Andre Nichols from Down Under. He's our Australian, our Australian listener. You can face off in in Australia, and you can barely get it in <laughs> in Castaic, right? Well, he's not really from Australia. It's just an in joke between me and him. But uh, good day, mate. That's not a knife. That's not a knife. That's a knife. All right, Byron, you're, the makeup. you're still awake because I do have some WWE I want to talk about. Oh, wait, wait. So the I'll important go. thing of the episode is Emily and Tyler win, so they get immunity next week. Boom. Done. Boom. Done. And uh, Evan and Ben, um, they got their work cut out for them because I feel, I feel like uh, out of everyone who's left – they're showing the least amount of technique right now. I mean, their their thing this week was not very good. But they they said they phoned it in. They said they were going to phone it in. Yeah, they basically they got gold and they basically made a shittier version of uh, Joan Rivers from Spaceballs. They really did. That's totally what it was. And there was another ballerina there, which was the one that was the top look. Like, don't yeah. do a ballerina against another ballerina that's the top look. Um, no. Byron. I'll let you guys talk WWE. Did you watch Fastlane? Oh no, you'll you'll want a piece of this, Casey. I think. You'll oh, I'll 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 listen. I'll just not be on mic <laughs> for a second. Byron, does your microphone work good enough to have this conversation? Sure. All right, good. So, um, let's start at the top. Fastlane Universal Title goes to Gizoldberg's. Um, yeah. I'm gonna Fuck take some heat for this. Fuck it. Fuck that shit. Okay, continue. I'm going to no and I'm going to take some heat from this probably from you and everybody else in the world. I love it. Do I have to say more? Like I like this. I think this is the right thing to do for many reasons. I think it's good for KO and a lot of people think I'm crazy, but like KO did what he was going to do. He had a super great run. His feud with Jericho is going to keep going. Does anyone think that his feud with Jericho having the belt involved was going to be better than if three or four big names hold the belt and then KO is feuding with Finn Balor in seven months for the belt instead. Like, I, I don't see this as a bad thing for KO. I feel like even, even KO's fans that are super heated about him losing the belt, mm-hmm. I think this helps. It's like, look, the guys who love him, they didn't stop loving him because he lost the belt. And the people who should love him who maybe don't yet will see that he lost the belt and maybe feel it's not fair and get more on his side. Like all I see this doing is building more momentum for Kevin, everyone going, Oh, Vince did the screw job on Kevin, but now he's going to get his chance to really shine the next time it comes around. And it's going to mean five times as much. Whereas because of the fact that Finn held the belt for like a day and then there, they haven't had a real program going outside of the, the Jericho friendship thing going right now that like the belt itself needs the rub first, then put it back on KO and he's totally over. I don't know. What do you think? Am I crazy here? Uh, no, I mean, I, it's just, you gotta have, you gotta have the belt on Brock and you gotta have that match be about the belt. It's just, that's the big picture going into WrestleMania. WrestleMania is an attraction show to get headlines on ESPN, Sports Illustrated. It's not a show for wrestling fans. It's just, it isn't. All the other things that happen WrestleMania week are for wrestling fans, but the show itself isn't. And also, 
Do you want to see a competitive Goldberg and Kevin Owens match? Yes. No. I mean, no, I mean, Why? no, how Goldberg, but Goldberg can't wrestle. I mean, he could, he was good for what yeah, so let's give him the fucking belt. back in the day. He could, they did well for the most part back in the day. DDP got a great match out of him, but now, but he, back then though, he was so limited. He was a special attraction back then. And now he's like 50 something years old. You're trying to get a good WrestleMania match out of him. Do you have him start bumping when he doesn't know how to bump and he hasn't bumped? He didn't even train to wrestle for his first match with the Brock. No, and we honestly, all should have known how this is all going to go. The only thing I would have changed is I would have done the entire match almost exactly the same way, except I would have had them ring the bell first and then have Kevin start rolling out and lasting, lasting a long time yeah. after the bell rang. You know, coming back in on the count and then just shortcutting the the ring post or whatever and rolling right back out the other side. I would have done it that way. So you know, keep a little bit of his heat of like he is smart enough to have the longest match with Goldberg in a decade. Yeah, um, I thought they were doing that too. But I also think maybe he just he never liked Goldberg uh, or WCW when he was uh, a kid during the Monday Night Wars. I mean, um, and I think he actually just honestly did not from what i read he does he didn't like what he was asked to do and i understand that from his standpoint you're so close to wrestlemania with the belt and you're going to just hand it over without even a match pretty much to yeah, some but dude. other but i mean look storyline wise they painted themselves into a corner to a certain extent it's like he did it to brock lesnar <laughs> brock lesnar who bloodied and battered randy orton in his previous feud before that one like there's no there is no yeah. KO standing toe to toe with with Goldberg in the world that they've created. So yeah, you can't have we, gotta be, we gotta be real with wrestling fans, gents. Uh, and you know, Casey's the one that's gotta be real. All right, be but real. We got Kevin Owens. He's the guy that looks and dresses like the dirty kid from your class in school. Everyone had one, and they all looked like Kevin Owens. And yeah, he doesn't talk or wrestle like the dirty kid in school that he's just going, oh, you know, um, Byron was that kid. I'm sorry for offending you. Um, it looks like he is eating 10 kinds of shit right now. Um, but eating poop. yeah, uh, it's the new it's the new way for Leota Machida fans out there. But anyway, um, we were but lucky still he got the belt. We were lucky he got the belt. We were oh, lucky. I don't think so. I think it's it's perfect. He got a good run with the belt, and he's gonna come back. It's like the D Bry thing too. It, it and CM Punk. Ooh, yeah. Let's not, let's not say it's like the D Bry thing. Look. Well, no, it is. It, uh, it, it, it is. It is in how you eventually get over. To, it's it it's the same in how you eventually get over to the point where. There's no going back from being super over. It's the way to make him super over without making him John Cena. Yeah, you know, but working man's I'm over, gonna... you want him to get screwed over a little bit in the whole process because it's only going to make fans love him more. This I did feel not like hurt his stock at all. The thing is, they're more likely to put the belt on a guy that looks like Finn Balor than a guy that looks like a cross between Fred Flintstone and DJ from Roseanne all grown up. I don't know. I think Kevin Owens carries himself in a way that is above and beyond nearly anyone else. I would love to see Kevin Owens get in a ring with a live mic with Rock. And I just would love to see Kevin Owens face Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. 
guess what? Yeah, that's the best match he has. I mean, I personally didn't like his reign. I didn't think that he was put. He was made strong in this indiv this individual. Right, and that belt, that weak but, sauce belt, wasn't going to make him any stronger either. He'd have been. He'd have had more prestige with the IC title. Yeah. But but big picture, that that allows that opens the door for this new personality to. Um, thanks, Casey. That's helpful. Personality. You know, Riverdale uh, got picked up for a se second season, so we can start watching it now officially. Uh, yeah, if we change when we do the fucking podcast, it's on right now. I know. <laughs> but I'm saying we can watch it now knowing that there will actually be a second season and that we're not just going to waste our time for 10 episodes or whatever it's running. Go ahead, Brian. Just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Because when he gets his second run, I mean, he's everyone's going to have multiple runs in the main event. But when he gets his <laughs> second run, he's going to be able to, you know, differentiate. Like the first one was whatever. This one, he gets to do the prize fighter run. And I think his, even though he did the 20-second squash with Goldberg, I think he got himself over more in this program and this feud than any other feud that he had because even when he was a heel and he was losing by a shortcut, he was never losing by his own efforts like if he were to like players to throw himself over the top rope to get dq'd that's himself doing it and but I, now i think he know? also needs the right foil for the next run like he's had jericho with him this time and the whole jericho thing will play out great but i think the next run if the foil is finn balor i think it really works i think you wait for finn and the belt needs to have some steam first to put them both over to make it mean something. Yeah, you know, it's fucking great that Sami Zayn is a fucking jobber now. That's that what I was about to say. It's too bad. But you it know is. what? But the, the Sami the Sammy yeah. KO thing is not going to work. Sami needs somebody else now. They both do. They don't yeah. need each other anymore. Sami needs to be in a feud with AJ Styles. Sami needs they to be in a feud with each other for at least a year or two. They should have Sami feud with like... I don't know, like Titus O'Neil, so he could win a feud. Oh come on! Don't is, is Black History him? Month over already? Come on! Uh, it is. It is now. Uh, now let's see. Well, we just celebrated International Women's Day by losing all of the international women from Lucha Underground that everyone was interested in seeing again. To WWE, there's your WWE talk. They just you're talking about, about you're talking about the 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 Black Lotus Triad, mm -hmm. and yes, uh, one of the three is now signed. Correct? Yeah, one is going to retire by the end of the year. That's Mayu. She's going to be. She's just done. done. Yeah, yeah, but you're looking at Dragon Super. EO's reconsidering signing reportedly, and and EO's going to be there at WrestleMania weekend. So EO's going to sign. Come on. Like yeah. she, if she doesn't sign, that's just crazy. Isn't it? They're just going to throw money at her. Even if they keep her in development, NXT, whatever for like two yeah, years, but they, they tried to throw money at Kenny Omega and he didn't do it. Some people sell more merch though. Kenny Omega sells a lot more merch that wow. goes directly to his pocket. Um, Japan is different than stardom. I, I would imagine too. Like but being on, in the main event at wrestle kingdom, like he needs to win the title. Like these girls in stardom, what else do they have to do there? That's exactly right. I I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, it's just a bummer because it would have been a cool angle to have them come back. But, you know, they could always bring in other people. It's not like the triad yeah. could be a big organization. There could be a lot of people in it, you know. 
Yeah. I was really I was expecting them to be back season four somehow. No, I, I was that. never I was never expecting it to be more than a one off thing personally. Um and I think that well, I, was, I was just really hoping that I was I just I don't know. I mean, I, I think we'll see the storyline play out more anyway. I mean, who knows? Because it seems like it's gonna be a vignette thing in the second half of season three for Lucha Underground, but I think we'll see it play out and it'll make sense why they were never coming back anyway. You know it'd be great. I'm just glad me and Justin were there to see them wrestle. It was great. It was a great it moment. Byron wasn't, you know? But that's also there. part of why I like it, because you want those special moments. It's like, if you're going to just bring somebody in to pop a crowd, a huge major storyline that takes up a whole episode, you know, do it up, do it right, and then get out of it in a good way with a good segment. And then it's, and then it's the stuff of legend, because nothing they do in WWE is going to ever compare to the three of them taking on Pentagon. No. Ever. And... But hey, I'm at least we get to say we saw Hojo's elbow live in person. Absolutely, so, and, and I think it'd be great. I don't know if this happened, but I think it'd be great if they filmed some sort of vignette that's in the vault for Ultima Lucha Three or something. Like it's held to the very, very end, and the Lucha Underground season keeps getting delayed and delayed, so no. they can some sort of loophole that can't go on any sort of wwe tv for yeah, like five years that, that no, this, is, this is what happens this is what happens. i don't think they were under that contract anyway i think they were under just a, an appearance yeah. contract so i don't i've think actually seen the behind the scenes scene and i'll play it <laughs> dario's in his office you know glug glug ring 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 hello lotus it's for you hello Oh my God, they all died in a plane crash on the way back to China or Japan because we're ambiguous to. Why? You can't mute him in the middle of the story, Byron. You. Technical error. It's weird that happened when I was clicking my mouse. Oh my God. They all died on the way back to whichever Asian country they're from because we never said. Okay. They were Filipino. They're all all Japanese uh, warriors from. China, who are Korean. Lotus, Lotus is from Hong Kong, they said. Right, because it's where the yeah. triads are from. Yeah, and, and apparently Japan, too. They're not Yakuza, they're triads, but it's far-reaching. Sometimes the crime from the mainland <laughs> makes it to Japan because I played the Yakuza game, so I know what's up. But anyway, you, you, you do see how yeah. Casey completely hijacked all the WWE talk, right? Hey, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is Gucci died on the way back mm -hmm. to his home planet. There you go. He did, right. he did. He took over WWE to tell stories and have long pauses. And realistically, I think what will happen is similar to last season, where when Pentagon wasn't at tapings, we ended up on TV getting a whole lot of segments of him and Vampiro doing very kinky stuff with wax. I think that this time instead we'll get some vignettes of Vampiro hunting them down and killing them with his mind or evil skeleton ninja magic. Whichever comes first. I'm always down for evil skeleton ninja magic because, um, you know, I, guess. I, 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 feel like, I feel like me and you are the only ones that truly appreciate ninjas and Byron's just like our poser friend over here. Dude, I, I can't even tell you. I watched, I watched the start of it all last week. I watched The Octagon with Chuck Norris where mm. you get the, the ninja characters that look like what Pentagon's look is now and obviously Pentagon coming from Octagon and Pentagon mm -hmm. um, and you know, and UFC got their fucking cage from, and 
this movie not actually justin it's not campy at all it's actually a good ninja movie like with a good storyline and chuck norris's acting isn't even half bad even though they call it the octagon i still think they ripped it off from no holds barred instead because they had an octagon shaped ring and it was mixed martial arts action it was no holds barred action well but i think no holds barred still ripped it off from the octagon well yeah yeah, I mean, I that mean, wasn't a very original movie. I mean, it's frightening because, honestly, back in the day, Chuck Norris was seen as the B-team by a lot of people. But if you go back and watch The Octagon, it's not like one of the later canon movies. It's not a joke at all. Like, they tried to make a serious movie. They blew <laughs> up the entire set at the end just to <laughs> say that. Does. It's, not, it's not a bad movie. Anyway, all right, I got to go back to WWE because I have a few things I need to talk about. I just have to. Um, as much as I like the Goldberg thing, and I, again, I know I'm going to get shit on on the internet all week. W and it's funny how pissed everyone got too. And it's oh, like, man, what did you I expect? So pissed when I said that I liked it. Um, what I did not like, I did not like Charlotte dropping her pay per view title. Yeah. To Bailey. Why? It Why did no they do sense. that? And it and it, and it hurt the whole division. I feel like instead of letting them push. Charlotte to the top of the division and letting her be there, which will in turn elevate everyone she's feuding with. Instead, they freaking erased half of her rub and turned it into like this three or four way dance. And I don't even know, which seems to be the theme of WWE this week. How many people are going to be in this WrestleMania match? Like who the, what the, Oh, I was so pissed about the whole thing. It's like, they got me. They got me. This was the old one, two from Vince thing. And I feel like I was had like they finally got me buying into this whole Charlotte undefeated at pay-per-view. And I thought after the crazy run that New Day had and whatnot, like they finally were back to understanding what a big solid run of something meant, even when people were, you know, wanting to swerve or this or the other thing. And they got nothing out of it. There was no steam on it, no pepper, no hype, no heat, no nothing. Like it was the at fast lane of all the pay-per-views of the freaking year the throwaway lead-up pay-per-view to wrestlemania the only big thing happening should have been goldberg getting that strap this was not good booking in my opinion and it also pretty much guarantees bailey not getting her wrestlemania moment which i also think is going to be a huge missed opportunity merch wise storyline wise hype wise everything just foolish i like charlotte Charlotte should have kept getting the rub here. I don't know why she's not. Maybe there's some grand master plan that they have that's going to make something good happen at WrestleMania, but I doubt it. Hey, can I just point something out in the chat room that they say that Stryker should just walk up to me with the Spider-Man ice cream already? <laughs> you think it's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy V was talking about how he he thinks he held his own pretty good for a long time. He oh, realized that you were playing with him like your food. Oh my God, Jimmy, you know, I love you, man. You're my friend, but I was being nice to you. Uh, <laughs> the only person that has held their own, I'm being real here, is Randy. And that guy is fucking good. Randy's he could be the Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> not the University. You notice you didn't say the Universal Champion. No, because I don't like WWE. I'm not giving my money to fund the Trump re-election campaign. I don't subscribe to the network, okay? Oh, well, here's another one that you'll love. I don't know if you watch this or not, Casey, but... Fuck no. But Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns actually had a great, great match. And guess who went over? Oh, I know who went over. Yeah, I it, was, it was Roman Reigns. Yeah. Roman has good matches, especially when someone beats the hell out of him. It's just... Especially when he's booked to win them for no apparent good reason. He's, he's going over well, The Undertaker, isn't he? 
I don't know. Is he going to be the other? Is he going to solidify the fact that the streak is done, done, done? Because now Roman can beat him too. What do you mean? What do you mean? Done, done. The streak that was an asterisk. You you don't piss hot and get a win over the Undertaker at WrestleMania. That doesn't work, Justin. It's no asterisk if if Slow Man Reigns does it too. <laughs> like how, dude? I will never be able to talk about WWE on this show again if Roman goes over on. I will just fucking leave when you guys do it. Casey won't watch any kind of wrestling anymore if that happens. I fear. No, dude. I still, I still got my homeboy Pentagon. And you also, kill me, Floaf, who's like the nicest guy in the world, for suggesting that anyone was better than Undertaker. Well, that just shows that he's not the fucking nicest guy in the world. Because was- the nicest guy in the world, Casey Nielsen. Casey, nice guy Nielsen says that the undertaker fucking rules and i get that you want roman to go into the to the match with taker but i still think that they're no one wants no one wants him to go into the match with taker but but i mean if that's what vince wants that's fine i still think that you could have had braun go over here and i mean roman went over clean too come on like i still think you have braun go over here and then you know crazy roman who who doesn't know what he's doing because he can't get a win over a big man calls out the undertaker whatever well, whatever happened, they shouldn't have cut off. It, they, it's just, it's a big money feud. It's two guys who can, who people are interested in, who can beat each other up really good. Are and you interested in Braun now, feud. after that? I mean, I am, but we were beforehand, and it's like, it'd be nice to see what these guys do against each other, and they just wow. blew it off for a pay-per-view that doesn't matter. Like, put they on it. They got me. They, they got me. Just, the character i liked that it was like oh shit they're doing another big man push the right way and then this and i'm like whatever for you guys. like what at you some point, at some point that braun and roman are going to have a fight like two immovable objects that's what it was going into this one and now it's spoiled for when they can actually put the time into a multiple pay-per-view run between the two of them like they just they ruined a whole matchup the for nothing like what do you what did they get out of it for fast you said all i know is the chat room's been silent for 20 minutes and you guys have been talking about wwe for 20 minutes you know that that's the way it goes sometimes um wait so you had issue with the big show thing i like the big show i think big show's been doing great recently he's the big man that i like what they're doing yeah you like gold i like big show i think he's got himself into phenomenal shape and i'm always happy to see him do better because obviously of his physical condition um you know life can be very hard for him as a wrestler and as someone his size at his age and the condition you know he's got himself in such great shape he's bigger and he's faster and stronger than he's ever been he moves great i mean he's he's right now what braun is trying to work himself into being and it's it's awesome and i'm happy for him but he had that match against rusev and he basically chokes them chokes them three times which is great the crowd is cheering one more one more that's awesome the crowd's into it you give them what they want but then he propped up an unconscious rusev in the corner and punched him in the face which is real shitty so fuck big show uh i hope he breaks his legs well not personally but on the show it's like he's supposed to be this big he's just that was like a heel turn to sucker punch a guy unconscious. I don't, I, I mean, look, I like, I'm a UFC fan though. I like that kind of stuff. But he was out. The match I was know. over. Oh, yeah, I can fire That's a transition to UFC talk. Overruled. Nice try. But I still, I still got a couple, couple more WWE things to talk about. Cause I want to talk about the, uh, 
Look, I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about um Raw, except I like Jericho getting back in the mix there, getting getting his heat back, putting putting that program back together with KO. Um yeah, that was and, and the logic behind people. it made perfect sense of KO just saying, like, look, dude, um, of course I was turning on you. You booked me in a match with against Goldberg, you dick. <laughs> like there does there doesn't need to be any more logic behind it than that. Like, yeah, we were mm-hmm. cool, and then you screwed up. So yeah, I turned on you. I'm a heel. Um, He's the best on the mic they have, I think. And I thought he was embarrassing Goldberg, and still was after the match. I loved it, and and I still love it. And this is why I think the KO is fine. Um, Sammy Zayn's not fine though, because Sammy had to go out and get the do the job to to make the whole thing right again. I wish they didn't put them together. Why do they keep putting them together, dude? They're, that's what you do for a friend. Like, look, your boy's getting the rub right now. He's the main thing. He's the big big picture so you go out there and you let him squash you it's fine yes sammy's the one who can you know put ko in a match you know help ko establish himself in a match he's the one that's going to him over you guys even matter anymore what are you saying casey because byron's just talking right over you i'm just i muted him it's okay i i just wanted to say that you guys are both my friends and i would not put either of you over in any circumstances (laughs) <laughs> all right all right well you know I'll, I'll duly noted i'll remember that um i'll tell you what i did like for the first time ever on raw i liked a cruiserweight segment austin aries broken orbital and all getting in the ring with neville doing his slow burn thing nothing new was done at all but the way that austin aries did it was flawless dude is so needed in that cruiserweight division somebody who can cut that kind of promo of like i'm out here to have fun be slick be cool and i'm still gonna throw some friggin' heat at you that was great that was the best moment of raw to me well Um, you you saw austin aries deliver a presence about himself that was um again like what i keep saying about kevin owens he showed himself to be way better than anyone else like he's a cut above almost anyone else on the show adapting to the crowds yeah and kendrick was trying they were wedding neville neville is good and established what he is but he's a foreigner who speaks a little bit slow and does the typical wwe rest this is great pause pause. yeah but it worked it worked with austin aries in there like austin turned the what's into the promo looks like they're having a hard time hearing you yeah neville and then like and I thought Neville was better because of the whole thing. Like this is the guy mm-hmm. that he needs to work with. This is the foil that everybody needs in that cruiserweight division. There um, was more he in that than any Seth and uh, Triple H segment I've seen. Yeah, and by the way, the Goldberg promo with Brock might be his longest match ever. And then the uh, <laughs> the F five was certainly Goldberg's biggest bump and like his only bump. Decades. His only bump. Yeah, that's great. Aside from when he head butted a, a locker and gave himself a concussion before promo that he yeah, bought. Um, SmackDown, the women's thing. I talked to you about it earlier in the DM. Like, why, why, oh, why do we have like 700 women in the title program now? I know that they probably had something planned for Naomi and it, everything mm. went astray, but like, it should be Mickey James and Alexa Bliss, and that should be it. Like Mickey James is that whole division right now. Even, you know, sh- she even makes Natty look not as good. 
like Mickey James is just clearly the best woman over there. And yeah, you know, she they should be investing her in the future of other women in the program. She should work with Alexa for a little while, then maybe work Natty or Brie or whoever. Um, I think personally, I think that the Becky thing is like Becky doesn't need her as much as the other girls do. And thusly, I don't think Becky should be the feud right now. I think Becky should just kind of wait her turn. Um, let Alexa have the run and let her feud with Mickey now. And since Mickey's not her, her heater anymore. That's yeah. I mean, it, I think, yeah, Mickey was definitely great. I think it's just, it's a hard situation with Mickey actually being a singles competitor on SmackDown because she's legendary. She should be, Beating, she should beat Alexa Bliss right away. She should beat Carmella. Nikki isn't, I guess, yeah, really. But there's always good. There's always good ways to write um, it. Like they have to write it so that yeah. the girls can work with Mickey and the stories make sense. Everyone knows that she's clearly more talented. It shows immediately. But at the same time, what also shows is that she brings the best out of all those other girls. Yeah, but putting her in the as as Alexis's heater. That is how you write her effectively in the division without making her look like China back yeah. in the day in the so, old division. Did you see SmackDown? Did you see the the AJ do the springboard and then jump? Oh, back I saw that. I saw that gift, but I haven't watched SmackDown yet, and I'm still trying to watch the New Japan. Oh, it was so amazing! And then I after that. that, freaking Orton still goes over. But of oh, course, AJ is the phenomenal oh. one and steals the show. And I don't know where the angle's going at this point. Which I guess I know where it's going. It's going um, because is this another one of those things where we're throwing everybody into a match just to have them on Mania? Jane wanted to have a big. No, I don't want to hear it. I went to WrestleMania two thousand. a big WrestleMania match with Brock, and Brock turned that down. He said, "No way, I don't want to have a stupid match that sucks." So now Shane is wrestling the best wrestler in the company, AJ Styles, at WrestleMania. So you still think they're going to do the Shane AJ thing and then just let Orton and and Bray have their moment? Yeah, that's right, what then. I think. I really hope Bray goes over, but it's Orton. I like I, that. I, I like that better than than if they end up with some three way feud with AJ and Bray and Orton because that's just stupid yeah. to me. I mean, AJ deserves a world title shot at uh, WrestleMania. He deserves one of those matches, but storyline wise, yeah, he doesn't help Bray and Orton at all. Yeah, but dude, if if he does a match with Shane, like Shane's not always my favorite thing in the world, but I think that the two of them could put together something that would be special and possibly could be one of the best matches on the show. If AJ they, AJ is incredible on Hill or he's phenomenal. Yeah, and Shane is stupid and will take big risks for a big show, which is kind of what you want. Yeah. As much as I don't want to see the guy do something stupid and get hurt, you know, at least he's got enough money to cover the bills if he does. <laughs> I don't want to see something that we need on TV the next day. So if he gets injured doing something stupid, he can afford to sit for four months. Um, well, I don't see Shane Russell at all. Last year, he was like the biggest draw at WrestleMania because it was Undertaker and he was everyone knew he was going to fall off the cage. Yeah, that's why know. he was a draw last year. It was weird. All right, Casey, we can talk UFC now. Oh, dude, we're we're talking comics in the chat, mostly how. Iron Fist looks like Byron, and that's why people are mad at it. But then we started talking the Inhumans, and I've never been a fan of the Inhumans, you know. But I like Lockjaw. He's fucking dope. But then they said that, like, he was a person that got turned into a dog, and that fucked my head up, man. 
But anyway, um, that's that's a recap of the chat for you, gentlemen. Oh, there's there's nothing to talk about in UFC, is there, Justin? Well, I mean, look, the last time we talked, we were still looking forward to Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, and since then, Khabib has completely screwed up. He uh, his weight cut wasn't going good. He went yeah, to the wait hospital. Yeah, fuck over Tony, dude. Shit. Um, Tony was very gracious about the whole thing, but I mean, he comes out smelling like roses, but I honestly don't know if we ever get that fight now. Unless they, they stuff it into 210 or 211, um, I don't know that we get that fight because I think now Tony has a claim that he is the number one contender. I think Khabib not making the way. And the funny thing was the day before when they did just a little face-off thing, Tony was like, yeah, good luck making that weight, homie. I know that's just going to be hard. <laughs> he was totally messing with him about it. Like Tony knew that Khabib was not in a good spot with his weight. Cut. I feel bad for Khabib because people are shitting on him for eating tiramisu a day before. But you know what? Tiramisu's fucking delicious. Dude, you put Khabib, tiramisu in front of me, I'm going to fucking eat it. 70, though. I mean, and this is part of the whole thing. It's like, you know, in this day and age, when you can't do the IV stuff and the rules are getting harder, guys are going to have to fight a little closer to their weight. Yeah. Like, Khabib might be the next cowboy, Cerrone. Like his his chances at the 155 title might be gone now. That might have been it, guys. Undefeated or not. You know? So I it's not like I see Connor coming back anytime soon to to fight Ferguson, but you know, if uh Eddie gets a win in his next fight, which is I think at two eleven, um Maybe you get Tony versus him for the interim title or, or the real title if they strip Connor. I don't know. But the Khabib thing, A, nobody wants to fight him. So when you're the guy nobody wants to fight, yep. you can't fuck up because it just gives guys a legit excuse for ducking you. You know, before people were ducking him saying, oh, well, he's not around enough for it to give me the rub to fight this guy. So why would I fight him? Now they're even like, oh, well, he washes out of matches. The same thing that people say about Jose Aldo all the time. People say that's junk about Jose Aldo because they don't want to fight Jose Aldo. <laughs> I don't care what they say. Like People are like, oh, well, Jose doesn't show up for fights. Yeah. And when he does, he murders fools, except for that mm -hmm. one time that Connor hit him in the face. And I, I, I had Connor picked in that fight, so don't get me wrong. I love Connor beating up Jose, but at the same time, that is the exception and not the rule. You know, And, and the same with Khabib. You know, okay, he messed up, but I feel bad for him because I think he's in a bad spot now. Speaking of picks, Justin. Yeah, my picks were terrible for UFC 209, <laughs> if that's what you're going to ask me about. Yeah. I got I got the T-Wood fight right. and Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah thank you, because that's the only one I picked, and that's the one I got right. I don't know what else I got right. I got like two fights right. <laughs> I got the girl fight wrong. Oh, my God, I did not know... They're like Amanda Cooper's solid. Didn't I don't think she's the greatest thing in the world. But the other girls like Paige Van Zant's training partner. That all you see is video of Paige Van Zant beating up on this girl. Like who knew she was any good? That was their <laughs> secret weapon, Justin. That was strategy. On their I mean, part. I thought Groovy Venata had it in the bag. I just you know I thought uh, Mark Hunt versus Alistair Overeem. I knew either one of those guys could win. I did think that. Mark Hunt was going to get a big right hand in there and win. Hey, he was fucking cool about it on Twitter, though. He's like, yeah, hey, he put my lights out. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's dude, and both those guys had a lot of respect for each other. And I think, you know, and, and Overeem, if you hadn't heard, had food poisoning 
going into that fight was puking and shitting his guts out almost went to the hospital and he wanted to call off the fight but then he heard that khabib called it off and he was like there's no way i'm calling dana white and telling him that i'm pulling out of my fight if this guy already pulled out hold on justin are you saying we almost got the the new poop stoppage we almost did uh, maybe we, maybe alistair did poop himself and we he just hit it really well maybe <laughs> just kind of duck walk the rest of the match like i don't know i don't know but it was it's funny to hear him talk about it after the fact so kudos to alistair overream for doing something that you know he seems like a little bit of a prima donna but man alistair's a freaking fighter dude like he, hey he's know. still he's still what excalibur called him on the art of wrestling he's like if someone perfectly engineered a guy to fuck your girlfriend <laughs> that's what they describe them as and that's uh, i'll never forget that so um the next uh this weekend saturday night you got uh vitor belfort versus kelvin gastelum um i believe that gastelum wins this fight though i would love to see the old vitor come back i think that it's getting about time for vitor to move aside or to not take fights with guys that are dude how old is vitor now uh, he's not even that old, but dude, he's got the miles on. He's younger than me, I think. Yeah, because I've been watching him fight since he was 19 years old. Like, yeah, his his first fight, you know, he's I saw him and he was like, you know, in the UFC and he was like three years younger than me or something. So, um, and and speaking of uh, guys who are maybe past it, Shogun Mauricio Shogun Hua uh, versus John Volante. I I want to say that that. Shogun wins that fight, but geez, who knows? John Lennon is a tough, been. tough customer, dude. I don't know what it is about Shogun. I've never been a fan. Like, I, I mean, I, he's I, tough. He's a former 205 champion. I mean, he's 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 a badass. But but is he not past his prime? I mean, he's got some mileage, dude. I mean, yeah. When you're when you're someone that can say I fought in pride, you got some mileage on you. Like, yeah. I mean. I don't a lot know. of good fights on the card too. You got Edson Barbosa versus Benil Dariush, and I'm going to take Barbosa on that one, even though Benil's tough oh, as hell. Yeah. Juicy Formiga versus Ray Borg, another great fight, and I have no idea who's going to win that fight. I'll randomly pick Juicy for shits and giggles. Uh, Marion Renault versus uh, Betch Cohea, good fight. I'll take Betch there. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> and oh, there's a good one: Cowboy Oliveira versus the Dirty Bird, Tim Means. God, who are you picking that fight? I mean, those are both just nasty scrappers. They're both prone to losing, and they're both prone to doing tremendously crazy things to somebody's face. And both prone to shitty nicknames because there's already a fucking cowboy. Yeah, but just a Brazilian Bird. one. Dirty Bird is what – birds are ladies. And see, if Meatloaf wasn't banned, I'd bring him in to explain that a bird is a woman. And Dirty Bird is just calling him like a, a woman of loose morals. It's not – no. <laughs> Man, you no, also got Francisco Trinaldo versus Kevin Lee. That's I didn't even realize that fight was on the card. Those are you ever, you ever watch Salute Your Shorts, Justin? No, well, I can't say that I have. They had this uh, this counselor that they called Ugg, and it's because his name was Kevin Lee, so he was Ugg Lee. And so, yeah, whenever I see Kevin Lee on a card, I think Ugg. I think I'll actually take Kevin Lee in that fight. Um, let's see if there's anything else on here. Honey, yeah, yeah, is fighting. Josh, Burton somebody, somebody's hearing me salute your shorts references and fucking popping right now. Maybe in the chat room, I should check. It's not me. I, that's <laughs> just because I'm lame. I mean, it's not because you're lame. 
I'll send you some episodes. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I, I just have a limited amount of time in in life in general. Um, you know, while we're talking about UFC, um, this card on Saturday goes down on the anniversary of uh, Charles Masks Lewis passing. Dear, dear friend, somebody that I call a mentor, somebody that uh, I have the utmost respect. If you don't know anything about him, um, there's a movie uh, just called Mask, I think, that you can find. Uh, yeah, if you there. look up Charles Mass Lewis documentary, you'll find it. It's very fucking well done and heart-wrenching. Yeah, and it was supposed to be, like, I was around when they started making that thing, and uh, it was just supposed to be, you know, a movie promoting them and their next step it was originally called underdogs <clears throat> and it was kind of about the tap out story as they were moving up they were getting ready to you know maybe sell the company they were making hundreds of millions of dollars from something they started out of the back of their car losing hundreds of dollars on um but yeah it's it's the anniversary of his passing coming up and it's a big deal to me you know typically every day i wear a little little something to to represent and throw love back to those guys um but Charles Mask Lewis, and, and the one thing I like to say is there's only one guy that you have to get past to get in the octagon every time, and it's Charles Mask Lewis. His name is above the door if you don't know who he is. He's in the, the UFC Hall of Fame, and people think he's just some guy who created a shirt for you know shitty guys in the Midwest to beat each other up in when they're in a bar, but it was more than that. Like He created that logo and that whole thing <clears throat> because he wanted to put fighters over. He wanted the young guys to have a way to get over it, and he wanted to have this thing that represented what it meant to put that kind of dedication into your life. I'm not just a Bushido style, not, not, not a Zen philosophy, but in a modern philosophy, in a modern world of what it really meant to be a fighter in current times. And that's what it was all about. That's what the logo and the branding meant to him. And I can't even do it justice telling you. Like, he had so much charisma and personality. Um, so you know, ending this show, I just kind of want to honor my friend who I think is my guardian angel still. He's on, on my shoulder laughing and cackling and making up nicknames for people to this day. Um, so dedicating this whole awesome episode with Matt Stryker and Byron Fever and Lucha Gringo, I'm going to dedicate it out to my homeboy, Charles Mask Lewis. Um, and, you know, he's a good guy. Do some research, hit the internet, look him up, find out more about him because he was an integral part of what the UFC is today and always will be. You guys got anything else you want to add? Um, Byron sucks. He's muted. So he can't say shit. Agreed. Hey, Lucky we're going Byron. to FSW this weekend. It's going to be the hot yeah. shit. Oh, oh, can I add, can I add a couple things, Justin? Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, if you want to buy a Lucha and chill shirt, buy the original from Mass Republic, our friends. Hey, Mass Republic, use code MMM show. At luchashop.com. It's at luchashop.com. Yes. Is there uh... luchashop.com? Also, if you want to get some lucha loot, if you want to have a present from the lucha gods every month, but it's not really a present because you're paying for it, but it's like a present that you're giving yourself. Because sometimes you got to treat yourself. And let me tell you, this is a way to do it with masks and shirts and DVDs and magazines that employ W for some reason, but are still okay. And uh, yeah, so you can use our code there too. It's MMM show, but that's not the only code. Yeah, you heard. get a discount on your, you get a 10% discount on your first crate if you uh, use the code MMM show at uh, luchaloot.com. So, so Justin, I need to know, are these motherfuckers buying Brave Immortal 
of Mortal Kombat tickets? They better be, man. I mean, they keep announcing matches, and the shit's going to be off the hook. I know I'm going. I'm going to be down there. Yeah, I'll be down there. Byron, yeah, we got to fly Byron in. I, I mean, don't want to get fucking border tossed. You guys yeah. are dicks. Um, don't start a border yeah, toss, please. Yeah, I'm not taking a fucking border toss for any amount of money. I'm just trying to find what's the website. It's uh, God, I don't want to mess it up. I know I have it written down. Hold on, I'll find it. I have it written down. My brain is. I write things down, people, because I know that I'm not smart enough to remember them all. Dude, I I, I remembered like everyone's thing they got on Face Off. I felt very proud of myself. Uh, you should. Let's see. Oh no, here I got it. It's uh, all right. So to go to that Brave Immortal show, like if you're planning on going, it's June 4th. Um, it's in San Diego. It's worth it. You got Elijah Burke. You got Teddy Long's going to be there. Hernandez. <laughs> and uh, who's he facing? Dax? Oh, dude. He's, he's facing that dude that was in the fucking Iron Gods in New Japan. Fuck. Jack Dane. Jack Dane, yes. Oh, my God. Well, you need to, You better get in good with Jack so that Hey, Hernandez dude. doesn't beat you to a friggin' pulp when he sees Some you. Some people call me the third member of the Iron Gods with a Z. Dude, I know Hernandez has got heat for all of you fools that were trying to strap him in that one match, dude. Well, you know what? I'll just start pointing out people and saying they were lumberjacks. He had mist in his eyes. He's not going to know the difference. I, ho I hope for your sake, but I'm still saying, man, you better get in good with Jax. I think that's just a smart call on your part if we're going to be down there. I don't I, look. I'm only saying it selfishly because I don't want to have to get your back against Hernandez if he goes buck wild on you. You know, if he fucking border tosses me, you're going to have to drive me home. Oh, I was hoping you would drive. Um, anyway, yeah, so he's going to be there. And look, and Shane Strickland's going to be there. The man, Swerve. Yeah. Fucking you Scorpio Sky's gonna be there. Scorpio Sky's gonna be there. Fucking Teddy Hall Xavier. of Famer Teddy Long is gonna be there. I'm stoked to see Elijah Burke too. Yeah, I, that would be dope. Um, you know, he's 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 a big name and he's a character. Dude, um, so you didn't let me finish my my Soul Brothers Doom best theme song and wrestling reference. God damn it! Sorry. Look, uh, um, the tickets are available at www.bravewrestling.yapcity.com. Um. Go there, use the code MMM, just three M's, MMM, like that. Um, get a discount on those tickets, 15%. So jump on it. I don't even know how long that's going to last. So get on them now, get your tickets early. I think there's still some good, uh, the first and second row packages if you want them. If not, there's some GA tickets there too. If we're at the show and we see you wearing our shirt and you're not a fucking nerd or a weirdo, We'll come up and give you a hug. At least one of us. We'll probably make Byron do it. Look, F FSW is going to be crazy. Uh, we're going to be there this weekend. Byron, are you, you going guys. to Ring of Honor on Saturday too? Because I'm not going to be in town until Sunday, I don't think. No, I didn't know Ring of Honor was it. No, I'm seeing uh, some friends. So I'm going to hang out with them on Saturday. Oh, yeah, you're going to go say what up to Disco, guys? Well, Disco, uh, on their podcast, Disco threatened to come out and have some words with Matt Hardy at FSW. So we'll see if that happens. I'll be Yeah, interested. I bet he'd love to actually have people see him talk to Matt Hardy. <laughs> Remember, he was a wrestler. Hey, look, Disco's got a very, very popular podcast um, hey. that I like to listen to myself. I will, I will say yeah, that. Yeah, so he's got a compliment, compliment question. Remember, compliment, compliment question. He talks about it on the podcast. Do that. 
put over the leg lock like I do every week. Just say my co-host fucking love the leg lock bit. And and look, Mr. Glenn has actually listened to this very program himself. So don't be too mean. He's he's actually a listener. See, I knew why I fucking love the guy. But you know what? The I don't know if he lock. listens every week, but I know he's listened at least once because I've actually seen his name pop up on the stats. <laughs> I just hope that he heard me put over the leg lock because I really did think it was great. Me and Byron used to talk about that shit in high school all the time. Um. Well, yeah, so look, FSW this weekend, mm-hmm. Brave Immortal, everything that Matt Stryker's doing. Netflix you know, next week. Netflix, next we'll Wednesday. be back to talk about it um, next week for sure, and hopefully we'll have a good guest that will be the exact person who should be talking about Netflix at the time that Netflix thing is happening for the John DeGraff. Oh, Court Bauer? Fuck yeah. No, gosh, no. He's on vacation from, from life. He's hiding. <laughs> You realize, right, that we called him out, we said some shit about him, and he hasn't been seen or heard from in a month? We had him killed. <laughs> yeah, you wish. We had him murdered. Because I spend the money on the wrong day. You know what? Somebody, somebody's going to find him floating, and then they're going to come arrest us because Byron said that on the podcast. So I'd like to say... He wanted it to happen, so we made it Byron Fever did not necessarily reflect those of the MMM show. I'm sure... I'm sure that he's a nice guy. His dog hasn't been fed in two weeks because of us. His calendar's the dog, the a dogs are in the pool area, Byron. The dogs are in the pool area. The he's going to show up for WrestleCon in May, but it's all good. He's going to no-show. They're going to lose their deposit because of us. No, he's going he's gonna to show up in April. <laughs> exactly. He's going to be a month off. Um, anyway, let's leave the guy alone. It was one little mistake. Like we haven't made a million of them. Come on. Yeah, I know. Like having Byron as a host and shit, yeah. and, and ever letting Meatloaf, the Undertaker hater, on the podcast. Jesus fucking Christ. Meatloaf will be back next week for he sure. He said. Too. He said he shit on the Undertaker on our show. See, this is why I don't listen yeah. to the show when I'm not on it. Like Jesus, you guys, you, you guys left me to do the entire show with just Meatloaf. Like you left me to do the show with Meatloaf and Byron. Like during christmas break well and I'm then sorry. i did a whole show with just urban and you that guys weren't even mean, around you know what i've been i bet, urban, I bet urban did on the undertaker the show was only 30 seconds long <laughs> me and urban did the ultimate josh pillow length episode for christmas yeah he's gonna be fucking hating us tonight yeah well it's good stuff tonight so yeah anyway that's all i've got is that all you've got byron all i got is that all you've got casey I could go another three hours, but I'm tired. I bet you could. Well, until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. Mm-hmm.